Yes, hello, I am James Rodens, and today it's the Dobbin R358. It's NXT UK. I am not alone, though, because I have the pleasure to be joined by Dan. How you doing, fella? Hello, mate. I'm good, thank you. It's uh, been a long time since I've last seen you. <laughs> we just can't get enough, can we? Three in a row. Would you have thought at Christmas this would be the way it was? That really helped us, the anniversary show, didn't it? Well, well you know, I, I kind of had uh, commitment issues, make a few attendances, uh, taken up every weekend for the past three months. Ain't bad. <laughs> yeah. Well, I doubt so. We're going to get to it. We have NXT UK and, of course, news. News! But we start with the latest on the WWE Network, and we've got the Chronicle, Damien Priest, and we see the documentary taking place between January 31st, 2021, to April 27th, which we learn about Damien Priest's path, which is him to WWE. He speaks about living in Puerto Rico, the Bronx, his struggles making it to WWE, and his dream of competing at WrestleMania. The documentary begins with Damien. He's talking about growing up. He was born in the Bronx, New York, but moved to Puerto Rico at a young age after his parents split. Priest says it was hard growing up in Puerto Rico during the 90s. Nothing was given to you, and if you had anything, it was earned, which made you appreciate it. Priest spoke about watching wrestling in Puerto Rico, loving Carlos Colon, who was the reason why he joined the business in the first. He recalled being inspired by Carlos's son, Carlito, who was a former WWE super... At least someone was. Well, later on, he would move back to New York, living with his father and start practicing martial arts. For Priest, there was a difference between being raised by his mother compared to his father, since his father was strict. However... Priest says, looking back at it, he believes that his father has raised many differently. He might not be where he is today. Unfortunately, martial arts was not lucrative, resulting in his father closing his school and moving away. Priest says, during this time, he was not sure what to do with his life, so he was doing odd jobs. It was not until one of his high school friends encouraged him to try pursuing his dream of being a professional. This was a difficult time for the Bronx native, where he had to work different jobs while wrestling. However... He thanks music for helping him find peace of mind. Looking at an old picture of himself, Priest described it as... Well, even though he was given advice by W members to help him become better, Priest took it as an insult. He would start blaming everyone but himself and become lazier. However, not be until the day he was offered a promotion by his employer, but asked to give up wrestling when he took his dream seriously. He would quit his job and continue to pursue wrestling. We then go to the day of the Royal Rumble where Priest looks at the Royal Rumble stage. Priest says it's a big deal. He's not sure if he can but we'll figure out a way to do so. We see highlights of Damien making his debut in the Royal Rumble match, which saw him eliminate Miz, the Kane and Morrison. Sorry, Kane, the Miz and Morrison. The night after the Royal Rumble, the former NXT North American champion would make his debut on Raw, defeating the Miz. Speaking after his debut victory, Priest said end goal and always strives for something. A few days later, we see him and Riddle throwing a baseball. Well, Priest mentions his history of working with Riddle on the Indies and even winning tag team gold together. Riddle says Damien's been through a lot in his life for him. When everyone wants to work for this business, Damien needed this. You see Priest WWE try in 2015, which he cut a lot of weight and says it was the hardest three days of his life. Unfortunately, he would not be signed as the company did not have everything for him. Every year after, he would contact WWE, but believing he would not make it in WWE. Priest would continue to do his thing until he was signed in October of 2018. At the start, he knew he was not perfect, but worked to get there. It was not until his match against NXT uh, in against Finn Balor or NXT Takeover in your house when it clicked. For him. He remembers after the match backstage being approached by Shawn Michaels and Triple H, 
who said that is the guy he needs. No, Priest would then talk about treating his body positively as he goes to chiropractor. He says there is friendship with his chiropractor because they care for him, not only as a patient, but being proud of with his accomplishments. To speak about his favourite part of being Damien Priest, he spoke about his swag, which he feeds off Razor Ramon Scott Hall because he oozes machismo and was a huge fan of. And while in NXT, the Archer Infamy picked Hall's brain and even asked to attribute to him with his gear. He even mentioned being nervous for our submissions to use Razor's Edge, but by giving a blessing from the bad guy himself. On his match at WrestleMania, Damien said he felt drained the last 24 hours because of the emotions going through his mind. However, once he arrived at the building, everything changed. Priest said WrestleMania is a necessity, even though he attended as a fan. Well, to him, it's about legacy and purpose, because to brag his name, he needs to perform at WrestleMania, or else he says empty words. We see Priest doing virtual meet and greet with the fans, which describes as a cherry on top. After the highlight video of his WrestleMania match with Bad Bunny against The Miz and Morrison. After the match, Bad Bunny and Priest get a standard backstage. Bad Bunny spoke about Priest and saying it was a pleasure to share the moment with him and will cherish it forever. Priest would go to a space behind the stage, crying after experiencing the emotional moment. And when asked about his tell his old self, a choked up Priest said he would not waste his time or work for his dream. He ends up saying, don't be this, be the one who works for his dream as he crumbles the paper and throws it away. And fortunately, the more I watch and the more I know he will be WWE champion. I've said that about Baron Corbin. I know I did. But with Priest, there is something that's very relatable to me as well. Because it's a struggle that they have. And, you know, we talk about it as well with the kind of how you should look and what your body should be. And like I said, we've always talked about maybe being a more huskier gentleman. And this is what Priest kind of struggled with. And it's that kind of also the, to, to go for your dream, to have to give up work, you know, to give up your safety net, which is something maybe people will never ever do, and Priest actually did. And I think the story of him getting back to WWE and then everything clicking in NXT and then getting to that moment in WrestleMania, I think it paid off. Dan, what are your thoughts on Damien Priest first and foremost and, of course, the documentary? Don't get me wrong, you know, Damien Priest is actually quite a talented wrestler, but it's just the whole cheese. Oh, everything was a struggle. Oh, his parents split up and... Oh, this happened. Oh, that downfall. Oh, he finally makes it. Oh, he gets his moment. You know, it's, it is just so cheesy. <laughs> it's to goodness. It is just oozing cheese. It's like, yes, you know, everyone struggles in life. You know, nothing is handed to you on a plate. Kind of, I know it's like promoting that side of things, you know, like you get what you work for. You kind of, you know, you aim and you don't stop until you get it. I understand that. I understand it's a good motivational tool, but... Don't make it so fucking cheesy. Are you surprised about the relationship between Damien Priest and Matt Riddle? Given how two the, the two men are on screen? Oh, I, you know, I think there's different backstage kind of things that go on. It's, you know, throughout your career in any kind of industry, you know, if you're kind of sticking in the same industry, like, you know, I work in construction and there's been times where I've seen people from one site on another site, you know, and kind of, You've got a bit of backstage with him. It's like, you know, a current guy on this site I'm on, I'm with, it's, um, he was in boss. So, you know, I kind of know him as a different name to everyone else, like, you know, that he goes by on site. You know, it is a good bit of backstage story there. You know, it's like, oh, my struggles, I was making it as a builder, <laughs> but I ran into a friend that I went to college with and, you know, he kind of inspired me to get everything I can out of this job. I think some wrestlers, uh, maybe Goldberg back in the day, and, and maybe some others that you can name as well, probably didn't realise what they had at that moment in time. And I think when you see Priest, especially at the Royal Rumble, WrestleMania, becoming that emotional after being there, he knows where he is. And he's like he said, never thought he was going to get it. 
and he actually deserved it. So I think that's really nice to see, actually. It means something to him. If they just walked it off and walked to the back and just went, oh, yeah, fuck it, it's another show, whatever. But you can see even like with the meeting greets is that it actually means something to him. And I think that's what what showed me in this documentary. If you know what I mean. No, I completely understand that side of thing, you know, getting to the point where you do actually achieve the work so hard towards getting. You know, and I understand that would be emotional. Um, it's, you know, it's that, I, I do like that side of things. And, you know, his WrestleMania moment, he had a good match and he kind of helped elevate this bad bunny thing as well. You know, it was for, it wasn't a terrible match. Well, well no, that's you being nice. I appreciate that. And also, I like the way he asked Scott Hall, the way he walks to the ring as well, as he, like, in tribute to him and something like that. And, uh, of course, Scott Hall's a legend. Or maybe you can call Icon. And speaking of Icons, of course, it's a series on the WWE Network. And the latest one is Rob Van Dam, of course, the Hall of Fame. We'll see the documentary kicking off in pretty traditional manner by offering notable sound bites on various interviewees, including the main subject, Rob Van Dan. However, that makes the intro to a great way to introduce Van's story. The unique visual of spray paint, which we ultimately see, is spray paint designs on the former W Champions classic tights. It's different and symbolic as Van Dam's story is ultimately about him being a non And while he explains his approach to professional wrestling was to be different from the rest, we are treated to the visual of the tights. Another way he differentiated him being spray painted. It's a great mesh of narrative and creative visuals. Well, Van Damme's early life is explored briefly, probably establishes his non-conforming nature, and fans also get to revisit the story of a young Van Damme kissing Ted DiBiase's foot at a WWE event. However, the most interesting part of the rest of his journey to the ring comes with the audience getting insight into his martial arts back. He explains how he trained kickboxing so he could use ring to practice professional wrestling. Accompanied by old grainy footage of his kickboxing fights and an interview with his instructor, Kit Likens, the story does provide some new insight into Van Damme's journey. Unfortunately, when it comes to his actual professional wrestling training with the original Sheik and Sabu, very little is said. Well, the documentary allows for plenty of time to dissect either these time in ECW from his early gripes about being left off the company's first pay-per-view barely legal and on his back with his innovative and breathtaking wrestling style during his historic run as television champion. In addition to hitting home how special and unique a wrestler Van Damme was, especially for the time period, the ECW chapter highlights one-of-a-kind person that he truly is. Not only did he carry the company through his incredible performances, but he turned down huge money from the premier promotions and even allowed Paul Heyman to not pay him when the company was struggling. Or well, yet another example of how he is really and was particularly at a time of rest was a jumping ship for bigger paydays at the drop of a dime. RVD's WWE chapter blossoms thanks to interviews from Paul Heyman, who is the MVP in this documentary. Former WWE writer Brian Gerwitz and Vince McMahon, Heyman provides a perspective only a few can as he essentially gave Van Damme the platform to become a superstar, and he also shines with great stories, such as when Steve Austin told him that RVD is the biggest superstar in the business. Well, Gerwitz offers an interesting view from the creative team that was split whether RVD could be a top star or not, while the man presence makes Van Damme's contributions feel extra significant, as it's rare for WWE CEO to participate in these documentaries. ECW's return in WWE provides a nice dose of nostalgia for the diehard ECW fans, and justifiably, Van Damme is credited with making the two memorable ECW one-night stands, 05 and 06, a reality. Well, the unfortunate aftermath for ECW one-night stand to six is also brings up the year as a crusher, despite how his title reign came to an end. But adding to the story, Van Damme owns up to his mistake and explains the mindset that steered him wrong. 
The Icons episode does fall short when it skims over RVD's now part-time in-ring career. But more importantly, his dark days are only briefly touched on. There's not enough detail to find the necessary impact for all. to truly appreciate his newfound happiness with Katie Forbes. The highs like winning the W Championship fight great euphoria, but Dr. doesn't possess the same emotional weight as the unit of Beth Phoenix, which hinders the impact of the conclusion. Also, this episode of Icons fails to acknowledge arguably Van Damme's most important and iconic, that being with Jerry Lynn. One may assume that it's because of Lynn's association with AEW, but regardless of the reason, you cannot help but feel like something is missing. Yeah, go back and just anybody wants to see an RVD match, just see that series with Jerry Lynn. I showed Dan that. The, one that was not one of the very, you know, like, it he was. tells me a wrestling fan, I go, right, okay, you've got to see match. <laughs> what would that kind of be nowadays? Would it be kind of like a NXT pay-per-view? I would, I'd go with probably, yeah. probably a Gagano chumper in the middle of their storyline feud. I think that would be something good to show because I think they had a few good NXT championships. Yeah, I think well, that I think that feud there would be perfect to introduce someone to it nowadays. But like I said, that you're comparable because these two guys just had great feuds. And obviously coming out on top most of the time, but it didn't really matter. The documentary does conclude with a great feel-good end of that show to Van Damme. McMahon at the 2021 Hall of Fame, where WCEO acknowledged how Van Damme changed the business with his ring style. Um, and you see RVD as well giving him a statement. man's like, what's this? And he goes, oh, it's the raps. And he's like, ah, ha, ha. Anyway, the ultimate big takeaway for this icon story is truly how to appreciate how much of a trailblazer Van Damme was. Well, from delivering moves such as the innovative Van Terminator to his nonchalant yet charming personality, Rob Van Damme was one of a kind. And his story is beautifully encapsulated by his words, I did everything my way and I ended up at the very top. Well, it's good to see his early stuff. I've seen most of his ECW stuff. Obviously, you don't want to show Jerry Lynn, but you show Don Callis in one of the clips, given the title. Uh, he just lost his spark in 2003 for me. Um, I, I thought this was great. Dan, what are your thoughts on this? I, I thought it was good. Um, I, I feel they missed things out and kind of things that they didn't need to. Um, there was a few good moments in it. It was it was quite a long episode as well, wasn't it? I think it was like a couple of hours. I think it was like an hour and 15, so an hour yeah, 20, oh, yeah. It felt like a couple of hours. <laughs> Did it in two goes. But uh, like I said, this was really, really fun as well. Can we see RVD? And if anybody deserves it, it's definitely him. And, and is it a surprise looking back and thinking every wrestler now basically does what RVD does, you know, kick pads or with the kicks or jumping off the top right, even over the top. I mean, not a lot of people are doing that RVD was, and especially this guy's size, and now it seems that's the standard moveset. Absolutely, yeah. You know, he's kind of loosely modelled on who I would have thought would be Jean-Claude Van Damme, kind of, you know, with the name and the look and even, you know, the fighting style as well, which I think it goes really well with kind of like, you know, the person who Rob Van Damme is. I think without a doubt. Uh, So really, really good stuff. We move on now to the father on the Broken Skull Sessions uh, and of course, Charles Wright, better known as the Godfather, uh, he says we're just going to we're just going to go skim through the whole show basically because, like I said, it was an hour and a half. This was a very long uh, Broken Skull sessions. And Austin asks him at the start, "How is he doing?" Of course, he doesn't own the strip club anymore that he used to uh, when he was younger, and says it's marijuana helps him a lot uh, in his kind of daily night life. Uh, of course, they're breaking out the Jack Daniels as well. We see. Uh, Austin mentioning Godfather, of course, from the basketball player, and he turned into a kind of American football player with more of the kind of the muscle build to him. Uh, of course, you watch this, Dan. What do you think of a young uh, Charles Wright when you saw him that size? I'll you know? tell you what, I was like, 
I think Austin was surprised at his age and the size that he was at his age. Um, and yeah, you know, he he was he was a big dude. He was I don't know. You wouldn't have thought he would have gone into being wrestling like when he kind of grew up, would you? No, without a doubt. You know, twenty six years old, and of course he spoke about his stories with the Undertaker as well, Dan. Uh, what are you surprised that the Undertaker and Godfather have a kind of best friends outside of the business? No, yeah, I think that's cool. You know, um, they they seem like kind of similar guys who are into you know things that would cross over. I think he absolutely uh, Charles Wright absolutely loved country music. Well, yeah, yeah. And I think a part in that um, I can't remember who was it that come up to him and said. Uh, Dude, you do realise you're black. Oh, that was Yoko Zuno. Yoko Zuno, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And he was listening to his country music on a, on a journey or something, and he's like, yeah, Yoko said, yeah, you do realise you're black. Yoko was as fat a fan, you know, he, he spoke as highly Yoko Zuno as did Yantaker, and of course, Yantaker didn't have any tattoos or didn't even have an interest in riding a bike, was he? Yeah. And then uh, Godfather kind of introduced that, because he was an actual biker gang. That's what he had his tattoo on his chest as well. Uh, and he kind of said to Yantaker, you're big and white, you need tattoos, basically, uh, to make that work. He went to the USWA, where he wrestled a few matches, where he found out that he could make a million um, dollars a year in wrestling, a bit like Bam Bam Bigelow. Uh, he trained under Jerry the King Laura as well, and did a few bits and pieces. But they said during that time at USWA, they weren't getting paid much. 15 to 25 dollars and austin says that's what he was going to get paid is that incredible that talent that had to start off in that way and go through there and then like you know oh struggled it's like fuck off mate you weren't driving from town to town having to keep kayfabe up whilst doing like you know shows for bare minimum and most of your money being spent on room and gas you're only kind of doing it for exposure <laughs> to get a leg up in the business you're kind of actually losing money being a wrestler and oh yeah, I struggle because my parents divorced. Well, and then you got the Dutch Mantel, who's Zeb Coulter, coming in and saying to him, uh, "Hey boys, you're going to be called the Soul Taker." Which how weird is that as well? When you've got yeah. Mark Calloway in the same room, and not only that, you got Steve Austin. So you got three of the stars there training out to be young wrestlers. You know, and what an experience! Yeah, it's absolutely brilliant. Um, there's so yeah, there there is there was some brilliant moments in there it's like you know when he used to say oh yeah you know if i wasn't feeling wrestling i'll just take a bit of time out and go and manage one of my strip clubs i was making more money it's like you know if, if i didn't enjoy what i was doing then i'll take a step back which is absolutely brilliant perspective in life I think. without a doubt you know like I said, he had to uh he still kept this the strip clubs going as he even joined wwe after memphis and of course, Papa Shango. Dan, what are your thoughts on the Papa Shango character? Because this must date back to your childhood, surely. It does. Um, you know, one of my early memories of watching wrestling was when Papa Shango put a curse on the Undertaker. Uh, not uh, a curse on the Ultimate Warrior, sorry. And caused him to vomit this green <laughs> stuff and, you know, made all random shit happen to him for a youngster. You know, I was I was a bit, a bit scared of him, you know, a bit wary of him. Like, Hell, you know. Well, I think, and he was 28 at the time, and he said he got really into the gimmick, didn't he? They gave him the stuff to do. He looked up Live and Let Die. He went to New Orleans. He kind of learned all that stuff. And he said it was a match with Kamala. And he said as he went to touch Kamala, Kamala acted terrified. And he realized, I'm because this guy knows what to do with his character. And I'm not really sure what to do with mine. Uh, and like you said, he talks to the Untaker, and, and they say, like, look, if you don't want to do something, you know, I'll just go away for a little bit of time. He did. He was going to go to WCW and they signed Virgil instead. You imagine uh, Godfather in the NWO well, in that um, role. Well, he, he actually said that because uh, him and Farouk was very close. And he said, look, you know, 
they're not like they are in uh, they you know they're down south you know they're not like they are a bit further north they they will say things that will trigger you yeah, and yeah, yeah, you know yeah. kind of I wouldn't do it personally and look how Virgil turned out there you know it's like <laughs> well exactly and he got signed you imagine the godfather in the NWO during that time or something like that but uh, apparently because of the UFC starting they wanted to come up with the karma gimmick um, which stood for kick any man's ass kick any man's ass yeah, yeah and the ultimate fighting machine they had vignettes to come in the Undertaker at SummerSlam in a, in a casket, casket match, match. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah which again wasn't too bad you know yeah. uh, but he said he wasn't kind of happy at that point in time joined a million dollar corporation uh, and then as the attitude era started to begin did you see the pictures of the Papa Shango that he was going to be when he was going to come back he kind of had it as like a half black and half white oh. face it was that would have been absolutely <laughs> sick <laughs> it would have been um <laughs> And for him to have gone against, like, you know, that kind of era's Undertaker as well, it would have been absolutely brilliant. There would have been a few good matches going on there. Well, I doubt it. He's going to come back as Papa Shango. And what, what year was that? I think that was 97. 97. Yeah. So that would have been... Do you reckon that would have overshadowed Kane, though? Well, this is what I'm saying. This is maybe the cats. They thought, well, if we don't do Papa Shango, we can let Kane have that kind of mystique. Instead, you look at what could have happened there with Papa Shango. Maybe you could have faced Undertaker at WrestleMania the following well, and year And Kane, well. and they would have had a mad... And then you could have chucked Mankind into it. That fucking I was say, that's that's fatal forward. But instead, he said, no, you're going to go Ron Simmons, you're going to be a nation of domination. And of course, The Rock didn't want to wear any of the nation colours. Like, it's like a small strip there. Yeah. Uh, and they were coming out, and obviously The Rock was becoming a star. And Godfather's just said to Rock one day, just get call me Godfather, and you see him going... Karma the Godfather, and he said from yeah. that point it went on. Um, but they said, like, you know, the the elevation that they all took because Mark Henry done his sexual chocolate, um, PA gimmick after that, then the Godfather, the rock just went completely up. Even D'Lo Brown and his tag team and Intercontinental success kind of took off. So everyone from that group actually, it was elevating them all. And then he was panicking and thinking, oh shit, I might be left behind a little bit. And he and his wife said to him, why don't you become a pimp? Which anybody's wife says that to the husband must be good. But of course, he beca- she came up with the whole idea, said you should have women, you should do yeah, all this kind of stuff. And yeah, kind of get, yeah the, the walk-in stick <laughs> and you can get a couple of girls from the club and yeah. Yeah, you know, um, all that. Uh, who uh, who was it he done it with first? Um, he was having dark matches with Bradshaw. Yeah. JBL. And, you know, and he'd be offering them and, uh, you know, he'd go to take the woman and then he'd get knocked down and that'd be the start of the match. And it was it was actually a good story. And like the kind of how over that was just on dark matches, you know, it is that's what they should be used for. Kind of testing out something. Right. If that's over, we'll give that a push. And they did give it a push. That's, you know, they listen to what the fans want. Without a doubt. And like you see, they discussed the music as well. Godfather have been heard of it. He said it's a bit like a bit of porno music mixed with a voodoo child. Which again, I was watching the Attitude Era as a child, and I really liked the Godfather as well. And maybe I didn't understand the complete gimmick, but it's something that you couldn't get away with nowadays. And this is something that they hit home a little bit and said they, they you couldn't really get away with it. And what were your thoughts on the Godfather gimmick and everything like that? Well, at it's, time as well? it's not only that. It's before we jump on. It's like um, a guy was and Vince came up to him and he goes, "Charles, do you think we can get some girls?" <laughs> and it's like, well, you know. That if Vince McMahon's going up and asking you, he's like, I'm Vince McMahon, damn it, but can you get some girls? <laughs> well, that, that, and we shouldn't, we shouldn't miss as well the Undertaker one where he's asking it, uh, him if he wants some girls as well, you know? Uh, yeah, he was trying to get the Undertaker to break character. I think the Undertaker spoke about this before in his uh, 
Broken Skull sections or one of his chronicles. But yeah, it's good to see kind of the other side of it, and yeah, brilliant. Well, we'll see. What, um, and then, of course, moving on with the Godfather gimmick and uh, the problems with the uh, the parent council and stuff like that. Of course, the right to censor came about, and he became the Godfather. And he says he really wasn't very happy with that character, um, which you know is a bit of a shame because it had to end like that. But like I said, that character will not work. It's like Valvis, isn't it? Yeah. Another great talent, but unfortunately. I, I, I don't know. know, I think, you know, don't get me wrong, it would be a good pop for the Godfather to kind of have a protégé, you know, <laughs> and like him come out, and like him kind of teaching someone the ways, like, you know, how to be a how to be a pimp. I think that would be a good kind of transition and, you know, a way of going out as a Godfather. No, without a doubt, but he talks about uh, trying to bring him back as a type, but it didn't really work. Uh, and then the Hall of Fame speech, of course, he was told that you better bring your whole family because you're going to go to the Hall of Fame this year. And he talks about hanging around with Snoop all day long. Uh, <laughs> unfortunately, uh, his uh, induction talk, he, he forgot something, didn't he? He forgot to thank his wife, <laughs> the woman that made this all possible, the woman that actually kind of said, look, why don't you become a pimp? The, you know, and everything that he'd been through, and he forgets her, he thanks everyone else in his <laughs> career for everything they've done, apart from his wife, which is, um, it is classic stoner. Isn't it, it is classic stoner, and then they finish their drinks together, and Austin, you know, thanks him. But, I mean, what a cool dude the Godfather came across. It may be not the most exciting of Broken Skulls, but just such a chill dude that you could have a, a beer or, or possibly a smoke with if he was talking about. If, if one was that way in yeah, it is. It is something good. It's it's, it's definitely worth a watch. Um, you know, don't expect the kind of in depth kind of talking as you have seen with other Broken Skull sessions, but it's still a good insight into the career. And this is a man that's kind of, you know, you talk about changing your gimmick to fit gimmick to fit in. You know, this man he was Papa Shango. Then he went from uh, a fighting machine. Then he went to a member of a nation of domination. Then he went to a pimp. And then he went to a good guy, <laughs> yeah. like you know, who hated pimps. And then he pimp, you know, he's he has adapted to overcome. I think that. Uh, and and another thing I will say as well is I I love Austin and the way he does it. He makes me feel so comfortable. He makes the the guest feel so comfortable. Going like I said, Godfather just seems such a cool guy. Uh, we have covered on the WNR before the top fifty uh, women and of course top fifty tag teams is coming. Um, this month they're doing it in in episodes four or five different episodes. What we'll do is we'll cover it as a whole uh, next month, and maybe even throw a list of our tag teams in, or or something like well, that. You know, we thing, you know. we haven't done a list in ages. We haven't done a list in ages, and I, I feel that that list has changed. On well, I think every single list has probably changed. It really in has. my opinion. It, it might be time to start looking at updating the old list. Of course, we had. I think we did top twenty-five tag teams. I, f- I know, like the top three tag teams were. It was a three-way split between Edge, Christian, Hardys, and Dudley's, wasn't it? Yeah, but would anything have changed for you now? Has anybody jumped in between there? I mean, the new Again, day news. I'd, I'd have to see. I'd have to see the list, but I think yeah, you know, with. With some longevity, you know, there might be a couple of new entries. There might be people that have jumped up the list, as you say, like the New Day and that. Um, Young Bucks. Um, <laughs> the Hardys. Obviously, they're not together, you know. And well, Yeah, but still, I mean, you talk about legendary tag teams. It's something to definitely look at. WWE are going to do the top 50 tag teams. Maybe that will give us 
a choice to uh, make our selection as well. Uh, but we move on to news. News! And former pro wrestling star Marcus Buffbagger was arrested Saturday in Cobb County, Georgia on multiple charges. Sorry, don't tell me it was a big boss man because that's where he's... Unfortunately, it's going to be hard times. <laughs> I'm going to make you squirt like a bitch, but Well, I'm doing my dusty. Well, links. Mark Miller in Cobb County Jail Record Show. Bagwell was arrested. Charged with misdemeanor. Driving under the influence of drugs. Misdemeanor open container violation for misdemeanor charge of the hit and run. Misdemeanor speeding. Misdemeanor failing to yield when in the intersection. Misdemeanor given false name or address. On birth dates, law enforcement offer three charges of following too closely. Misdemeanor reckless driving. Misdemeanor driving with a gore or medallion or emergency lane. Misdemeanor duty upon striking a fixed object. Misdemeanor driving on the wrong side of the road. And misdemeanor license to be carried and exhibited. Man. So. And then, no, no, then after that, he popped open his. Uh, the officer said, Is there anything else? He popped open the glove box and said yes all these unpaid parking tickets <laughs> liar liar if you didn't get that one well anyway uh buff bag was a little bit trouble not a bad weekend to be fair <laughs> well unfortunately for bagwell it's not looking good but we do move on to arrivals yes international wrestling star b Priestley is expecting to sign with the wwe soon according to the wrestling observer newsletter Priestley will begin work for the company on the nxt uk brand Recently, Priestley appeared in New Japan Pro Wrestling next to the now IWGP heavyweight champion, Will Ospreay. Priestley also worked for AW19. Yeah, Ospreay now, former champ, little partners as well. And then on to departures, and WWE comes to terms with the release of some big names, including former Universal Champion Braun Strowman and Alistair Black. Uh, Sean Ross Supper, Vite Falls of Portland, the following names have been released. We've got Strowman, Black, Ruby Wright with two Ts, Lana, Santana Garrett, and Buddy Murphy. And WWE have confirmed these releases on its official website. Well, Strowman is the most surprising name on the list. He was just WWE champion. He was just in a WWE Championship match at WrestleMania Backlash last month. Ali B had an extended period of absence, but has been back on TV in recent weeks. And he was started a programme with Big E on SmackDown less than two weeks ago. Lana and Ruby Riot have both been in tag teams with Naomi and Liv Morgan respectively, so the women's tag team division is more depleted than it already was. Uh, Lana even wrestled on Raw on Monday. Uh, Santana Gout was called up to the main roster last year, but Craig just never thought of a way to introduce her. She was last seen in the Royal Rumble this past January. She was planned to be for SmackDown before being let go. Murphy had barely been used since his split from Seth Rollins and a romance storyline with Aaliyah Mysterio was dropped out of nowhere. Uh, so before we get on to the reasons maybe behind it, Dan, what were your thoughts when you first saw this news? I, I was complete. I was agog. <laughs> my mouth was agog. I couldn't actually believe it. I think my response to you was, what the actual fuck? Yeah. Um, Alistair Black, getting rid of him. Braun Strowman, I mean, the man is a legitimate monster and an absolute beast. Um, I, you know, you, you've tied him up to a long extended contract, uh, worth multiple millions of dollars. And then to go and drop him like that, you know, it seems like something funny is going on in the back rooms and they're trying to trim the fat to make a better sale. Well, fans of fresh wrestling media outlets like have begin to theorize that their company might be prepping for a sale. Uh, recently sent a streaming rights to NBC and their streaming platform, Peacock. It seems as many followers of the company are seeing a writing on the wall makes the ownership of WWE change hands, creating major ramifications. Major ramifications. In the world of professional wrestling. Uh, CM Punk as well has come out uh, and said uh, a few things as well. He said, 
It's like a movie with a blockbuster budget and cast, but it's written by creative bankrupt nincompoops, specifically for an audience of one in a language nobody understands anymore. It's trash. So with um, with that, oh, is there more on it? But people watch it because they like movies. Dan, <laughs> is there more on it? no, that's oh, it. Oh, that is the quote from Punk. What are your thoughts? Um, well, you know, with Punk saying he'd come back if the time was right and the opportunity was presented to him well, and him kind of saying that on the company, it's not holding anything promising, is it, really? <laughs> um, but WWE releasing Braun Strowman, Alistair Black, Lana, Ruby Riot, I think is absolutely ridiculous. I think they just signed Eva Marie as well. Well, Strowman signed a monster deal in 2019, like I said, worth over $1 million per year. Because of that, he's resulted in a significant savings for the company. Well, while a sale is possible, Brandon Thurston of WrestleNomics expressed his belief that the cuts are more about Khan and the WWE Chief Financial Officer, Christina Salen, balancing out some unnecessary decisions made by the previous team. Well, Thurston noted that there were 300 wrestlers under contract with WWE in 2020, which is far more than the company can use on a consistent basis. With WWE unable to use a large portion of its roster, permanent down, save money, and create more opportunities for others. It's a logical move, and they're going to start live shows soon, which is moving around, production trucks and everything like this as well. And and the thing is, is I love Alistair Black like you, where we thought he was going to be a big star, but... And Braun Strowman, if they're not using him right, they don't know how to use him, go elsewhere and become successful and then come back a star. That's what wrestling needs, isn't it? Well, that is it, you know, and it has been it's been shown, you know, most recently with Drew McIntyre. I mean, you know, he was kind of billed as the next great thing, didn't quite live up to the potential, wasn't given enough opportunities in the right direction, tried a few times, came up a bit flat, took himself away, built himself up, built himself a massive name, elsewhere there are other places to go um came back fought his way back in from you know the nxt way wwe and became wwe champion and is now one of the biggest names in wwe at the moment i think that's the thing if you can go away big success elsewhere the only problem is if they all go to AEW, like we talk about on the AEW show it will saturate the product for them which might help WWE because look at all the stars they lost in 94, 95 when things weren't going right and then the stars they created in 96, 97. Unfortunately, if it was the people in charge now of 96, 97, they would have released The Rock, they would have released Austin as a ringmaster, they would have got rid of Triple H as Hunter Hearst Helmsley because they wouldn't have gave them a chance to kind of progress and find that character as well. But with that, you know, there's over 300 members of staff. Is that like just wrestlers That's just and wrestlers. Managers? 300 wrestlers. 300 yeah. wrestlers. That's NXT UK. That's NXT. That's 205 Live. Cool but then, like, you know, you kind of, if you whittle that down, you know, there's going to be, what, 40 on NXT UK? Yeah. Um, you know, there's going to be 60 on NXT. Yeah. Um, 100 for Raw and 100 for SmackDown. Well, even maybe look think about development. All the wrestlers yeah. coming through the performance center. How many of that? So it was fifty training as well. So yeah. you know what I mean. I think this week, and watching Raw and SmackDown recently, it, it has seemed like there's like ten guys just doing the same. It has it, WWE doesn't feel like it's got a huge roster. I look at AEW, they go that is a massive roster. I look at WWE, and I think as Raw or SmackDown, it's not big. NXT and NXT more uh, impressive just because the kind of talent, but. Is it a case of, do they need to close that down and work on the main roster then? But then I think with AEW, they kind of give it to you in, right, instead of showing one man, instead of having a feud between Jericho and MJF, we've got a feud between the Pinnacle and the Inner Circle. 
involving five guys on each side. So we've got ten blokes involved in a feud that's just involving two blokes. It is just Jericho versus MJF, isn't it? Yeah. And, you know, by vast numbers, if you're going against uh, the Dark Order, you're not going against, like, against Preston, against Colt Cabana. Yeah, you're, you're going, going against, against all them. them. Well, yeah. um, you know, if you're going against Omega, you're going against uh, the Good Brothers, you're going against the Young Bucks. It's the same for Matt Hardy, Matt Hardy's family as well. Everybody, they've all got groups and stuff, but... Exactly that. I think it's not that big, but I think this is shocking because of how... The thing is, if they hadn't been on TV recently, right, if Black hadn't come back and attacked Big E and they hadn't brought the vignettes and then been released, it wouldn't have been that much of a surprise. If Braun didn't have a... He beat Shane McMahon at WrestleMania, you know, and then he's in a triple threat match. It didn't make sense, you know. It just doesn't make sense. That's what I found, and that's what I found where the old WWE, yeah, it was ruthless, but it's like the Bret Hart thing where it was business, you know, and they had to do it. This just seems kind of so weird, especially with the releases we've had as well, you know, the commentated teams and, you know, Raw's Adam Virk's gone, Tomato Phillips has been released now, of course, Joe went, uh, you know, a couple of months ago as well. What's going on with Daniel Bryan? You know, there's a lot of uh, work to do at the moment, you know? But do you think cutting it down helps kind of make it more of a, I don't know, something less grand and then like you know more people are getting utilized because there's less numbers if you know what i mean like you know everyone's getting more to do as opposed to everyone getting a little bit to do i think it's right but i think they're doing it like it's like wrong people like no offense to humberto carrillo on raw you know great talent but they'd, they'd release ricochet over him do you know what i mean and that is the problem that they've got at the moment of they're i'm not saying there's talent to release but if there was they're picking the wrong ones. You know, people like Jackson Riker is, is still around. You know what I mean? Velvety Dream, it took a fucking eight months, you know, a year and a half to, to finally get released as well. There's talent around that you could say maybe, yeah, so long. But it's just a bit of a surprise when W was saying, oh, look at this guy. He could win the title. And then two weeks later, gone. But then from other people's perspective, they might go, well, why would they get rid of uh, Humberto Carrillo when they've got Ricochet to get rid of? You know, some people are more Carrillo fans. It is just depending on, you know, some people might be happy that Braun Strowman and Alistair Black have been released. Booker T, for one, is more happy that Alistair Black has been released from his comments, you know, saying that he didn't kind of have what it took backstage. And, you know, he had the entrance with the lift-up thing. He had the moves in the ring with his black mass kick. But he didn't kind of have something that made him stand out. You know, that is Booker T's opinion. And everyone is entitled to their own opinion. Yeah, exactly. And this is coming from an Alistair Black fan this as well. I, you know, I absolutely loved what AB done in the ring. They dropped the ball with Alistair Black. I mean, the Untaker was a slow walk to the ring, if you want to make it into that. He did that, barely did nothing. The Black character could have definitely worked. We saw it work on NXT. The problem is the call-ups from NXT to the main roster are not working out. And it's making the talent, it's failing the talent as well. You look at everybody that's come up recently. Why do you think Ciampa and Gagano said in NXT? Because they know as soon as they're up on the main roster, they'll be on the fucking main event, as in the TV show, not the actual main event. Wrestling, you know, Carrillo, whatever. And then six months later, released because they have no idea what to do. Look at Keith Lee. Keith Lee was the hottest man. One of the last NXTs you ever watched. Keith Lee beating Adam Cole, uh, become the NXT and North American champion. He came up to the main roster. They, they, he beat Randy at one pay-per-view, and he's not been used since. And people go, oh, he's going to be released. Is he injured? Apparently, WWE just don't know what to do with him. Why bring him up? The same with Alistair Black as well, when he just don't know what they're going to do. It's crazy, you know? It is. Look at Oscar. Of the, they brought... And they, 
made her lose at WrestleMania. And that would have broken maybe any other wrestler because she was so strong and the character development, she's become a fucking champion now in WWE whereas he just don't give people a chance anymore. And that's horrible to say because we love WWE, you know? Like I said, we love you, but they just, you know, is it going to get better or is this going to end with, you know, someone else owning the WWE and it just being like a business like Disney or something? Would it be a bad thing if WWE changed hands? I mean, what about the product makes you, please don't, please don't change that, please don't. I mean, pretty much everything they're doing is doing, you know, it is completely, it is doing it to piss a lot. I think you're right. I do. It's not good. Smackdown was good. It's all right now. Roman Reigns is the best thing in wrestling, but that doesn't save, like you said, everything else going on time. It's tough, you know, but it's it's just one of those things that you're going to have to look at and kind of reestablish what they do and how they bring it. And the problem is, and it's, it's happened for 20 years now, nearly, is you keep going on about another era and you don't build stars to replace the ones that you've got. And this is the situation you find yourself in. Because you think about what stars they've built in these past few years, you know, after John Cena, what, Daniel Bryan, CM Punk, The Shield. Who else is like a main event talent that's come through, you know, and, and actually sustained their push? Like McIntyre? Like, what's he done? Like, not in a. Like you said, I'm McIntyre's biggest fan, but if he's not. If the ratings aren't moving, if it's. If it's a case of people just being pissy with WWE, what can they do? You can have Austin in his prime on Raw now, and the ratings wouldn't adjust that much, I wouldn't think. I think someone's, sometimes it's a problem with the company. you know what I mean? Like, this is a lot of bad will as well. I think that I think there is quite a huge divide between AEW and WWE. Um, it's, you know, I, I don't get wrestling. You know, I, I am... I would say I would be all of my life, but I wouldn't rule out watching a promotion like, you know, NJPW, Impact, AEW, wherever it may be. Um, and, you know, I think that divide, it's kind of like, well, I don't... And, you know, and WWE fans have done the same thing as well. They're completely anti-everything AEW doesn't stand for. But I, I, th- I think there's a lot of crossover, and I think a lot of people... You know, if you talk about, like, how many people watch Raw or SmackDown, like, 2 million... There's not another million fans just watching AEW, is there? Do you know what I mean? It's it's going to be what half the audience and stuff like that. Yeah. Like, and, and what is the problem? And is it Raw's three hours? Yeah, smacked to two hours. But is it because of social media? When you flick on Twitter or YouTube, you can see the ending of each match. You can see the highlights of every one. You don't have to sit and watch the entire show anymore. You can check your results, quick results, and just see the you know who won and who lost. And that's enough for some fans. They don't have to sit and watch it it's not must see anymore you know there's nothing you're going to miss out i remember being a kid like if you didn't tape raw or you didn't watch it live then you had to wait until the weekend to kind of find out what happened you know so to speak yeah but I, I, again i don't think there's that kind of commitment into it i think it is you know with back then if you're going back to like you know the late 90s the early 2000s at least you know there was a lot of commitment to it, and it was. You had to watch it every week to find out what was going on. But it was two hours back then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, it was more digestible, and you didn't have everything else to follow as well. You kind of just had, literally, you was either watching Raw and SmackDown, and then the pay-per-view once a month, and that would be it, and you'd kind of be able to follow the story along. Or you was watching W... Uh, well, obviously, until that yeah. result. 
but you know it would be just two episodes and a pay-per-view and you wouldn't be lost but you know this happened on main event that happened on the pre-show that happened on talking smack and you're like well why is that person missed out on the field so it is hard to have to keep up with it i i just hope that WWE, the fans coming back in july shot on the arm that he needs and the reactions they're going to get. And, uh, you know, if WWE are thinking they're going to sell out these shows, then maybe that is saying that we're not... Maybe they will, you know, and maybe things will start going back to what we perceive as normal. But I think if they don't, and then they start having problems with, like, live attendances as well, then, you know, something's definitely going to be changing. But I think it's a case of going kind of back to basics of it as well. But, like I said, it's been... It's been a rough couple of years for WWE, of course, obviously due to the COVID and everything like that as well, though. But AEW's still going up, so we've still got a lot of wrestling as well. I think the time that you know WWE is dead is when someone making it in the business says, my dream is to be AEW. That is when you know that WWE is done. And I... <laughs> Yeah, and it's the thing, maybe it's the thing, like, I don't want to make it comparable to, like, football, but... Like Man City or Man United, I think a lot of people growing up during the time thought no one would be bigger than United and it ended up being City. And I think maybe AEW could potentially do that. But again, I wouldn't write them off because WWE is a huge, huge thing. But it's then they global. could they could do a Chelsea and buy it for a few years and then, you know, well, people are like, oh. Look at WCW, they did a Chelsea, you know. Exactly. You could argue you know, with that's that. That's what like, I'm saying. Exactly. You know, it can, there is Comparables. There's, ways... There's teams that try to buy the players like Impact did and nearly go out of business because they tried to do it. Can't think of any well any team like that. But anyway, like I said, like this is the interesting thing. But it's big, big news, you know. Uh, but that is the news now. So that's WWE. So we're going to go on to NXT UK. The matches to watch where we've got the women's gauntlet for the number one contendership. We've got A-Kid versus Bait for the Heritage Cup. Uh, of course, uh, and a couple other crackers coming up as well. We don't want to spoil what's going on, but we start with May 13th. Andy Shepard and Nigel McGuinness welcome fans to WWE. They begin the show by announcing that Zia Brooke cleared to compete, been victim to Amale's, Amale's attack last week. So tonight's gauntlet match will be narrowed down to four competitors with possibly a surprise end. We'll find out later on. Well, we kick off the action with Heritage Cup rules match. It's Nathan Fraser versus Noam Dar. We start off with round one. Well, Noam Dar lands the first hit with a kick to the hamstring. Dar takes Nathan Fraser down on the mat. Fraser turns it around with an arm wrap. Dar counters with a tight wrist lock. Then Fraser flips out the hold. Both men continue with back and forth wrist locks. Fraser puts pressure on Dar's arm with a standing hold up against the ropes. Dar applies a head scissors takedown. Fraser flips out. Both men remain locked up with an elbow and collar lock up, just as the bell rings. Dar lands a chin. Fraser, which is unclear whether it was or after the bell, neither man. Or round two, Fraser reverses with a backslide after the men tangle more hold ups. Fraser rolls Dar up in a small package and scores the first full. Fraser in his lead with one point. Just before the bell rings, Dar calls for Shah Samuels. He arrives. Why did that take so long? Well, exactly. He wants Dar. Why can't Dar just be there, you know? Well, Fraser lands a well-executed drop kick on Dar. Dar retains momentum with a solid kick to the chest. Uh, Dar looks for the same, but Fraser catches. Fraser misses the drop kick. Then he heads to the top rope. Shaw Samuels shouts at him from the outside. Oi, oi! Oi, you yogurt! <laughs> now, yogurt's grand well. <laughs> you yogurt! Well, Fraser is distracted. Dar uses this to his advantage to meet Fraser at the top. 
The bell rings and concludes this round. Neither man picks. Well, round four, Dar and Fraser have two close near falls. Fraser gets trapped in a knee bar low and has to tap out. Dar picks up his first point and it's 1 0. Well, round five, and both men slug it out at the beginning of this round. Dar lays in more kicks to the chest of Fraser. Shah Samuels tries to interfere by holding on to Fraser's leg. Dar uses advantage again by moving out the way of Fraser's. Dar covers and Yeah, so Dar wins two to one. There was some great training. This is really fun match. It's great to see Dar actually win. I mean, I think it was like 2019 the last time he picked up one. But Nathan will work from the bottom up, which again is a good story. And I've said it before. I'll say it again. Sharon Dar can go far in this one, there's no doubt. Well, the NXT UK Tag Team Champions, Pretty Deadly, is ready to prove why they are the best tag champions. Well, at Performance Centre, Trent Seven is having a little chat with Jack Stars, and then Sam Gradwell calls Seven out again. Come here, And Seven and Gradwell start to brawl before the others in the gym have to break them apart. Well, Mandrews with Subculture, Flash Webster Morgan, and Danny Luna versus... Both trade lockups. Mandrews stacks Levi for the first near fall. Still down. Andrews lands a perfect standing for another near fall. Muir turns it around with heavy uppercut and Muir hosts Andrews up in a torture rack. Mandrews slides out and picks up where he last left off with an assistive rope power slam for two. Two. Andrews looks for a sunset flip. He rocks Muir with an insecurity instead. Muir gets caught with a stun dog millionaire followed by a perfect suicide dive from the outside. And back in the ring, Andrews sends Muir away with shooting star press from off the top. And Andrews picks up the pinfall victory. Well, he has the look, and he's been quite impressive, isn't he, Mia? Yeah, I mean, look at him there. You can see he's, you know, quite an impressive-looking chap. You know, built like a brick shit house, as we say, over in England. You just see where subculture go. The new theme and entrance in black and white, and with the outfits there. Uh, another underrated talent in Andrews. What are your thoughts of Andrews? He's a great talent. This match was okay, but... Always been a huge fan of Man. Brilliant. Um, yeah, you know, he's happy... Where he is in NXT UK, you know, hopefully they're going to get a, a midway title, you know, a, an intermediate championship. Well, I say we've done it with the the Danny involved now that hopefully the subculture can maybe go somewhere. Like I said, a fantastic talent. The win for Manju's experience for Levi worked out. And now that's Ia Brookside's out of the main event. A male who attacked her wants to take Brookside's place, but Cisco won't let that happen. Uh, and then we'll find out what's happening on next week uh, on NXT UK. Well, A-Kid will put his Heritage Cup Championship on the line against Tyler Bate. Ia Dragunov will be a guest on Noam Dar's Supernova Sessions. And now it's the main event. Who will become the next woman in line for a shot at Kaylee Ray's Women's Championship? The gauntlet match will begin with Isla Dawn and Emil McKenzie. So here we go, an event of this week's NXT UK episode. And Dan, you're going to be introduced to the women's division. It's been a long time since you've uh, last laid eyes on the women of NXT UK. Of course, a lot has changed since then. You, Ray, as the women's champion, uh, being the dominant one. Of course, now, Katie Ray is the NXT women's champion still, uh, being quite dominant. Uh, and even in, in world title pitch has changed a little bit because, of course, you had Volta as the NXT UK champ. And right now we've got Volta as the NXT UK champion as well. So it might be a bit difficult for you to get kind of adjusted okay, to it. Yeah. So, you know? um, so when did Volta become champion then? It, it, when, he beat, when we watched him beat Pete Dunne uh, at right. that takeover, okay. yeah. So um, nothing's changed. So um, I, I recognise Isla Dawn in the ring. Who is this uh, Amelia McKenzie? Well, Amelia McKenzie is someone that has been around uh, for a little while. Uh, been away for NXT UK for a couple of years uh, due to other problems 
um, off screen and on them, so to speak, uh, with talent involved in NXT UK. That's all kind of resolved back now. And uh, Mackenzie has uh, come back to the women's division looking to be reinvented. Uh, she was teaming up with Miko Santamora to take on Isla Dawn and Kaylee Ray. So these two women know each other very, very well. Of course, Isla Dawn has kind of changed the gimmick a little bit now. Uh, she's kind of more the sinister Scotswoman. And she's gone for a more a gothy type character. Uh, a bit, you know, Alistair Black-esque-ish, so to speak. You know, you read your balls and stuff like that. Um, but these two women, we of course, have got history with each other. What are your thoughts on these two? Of course, you know Isla Dawn a little bit. But is anything impression you going? Um, you know, these two women are having a solid match. It seems to be uh, good and free-flowing. Um, it'd be interesting to do what they do with uh, Mackenzie on a, you know, upon a recent resurgence, whether they're going to give her a push or they're going to try and get Isla Dawn to uh, be the new face of the women's division. Well, what's going to be interesting, you're going to see a lot of women in this match. Of course, you've got five women in this one, four that we know about, and one to be announced, of course, with Azai Brookside being taken out and the winner of this will face Katie Ray. So no takeovers at the moment, uh, but we have had uh, just the one special so far. So we might have that down the road. But uh, the reason why NXT UK is so good as well, it's, it's like the old style, you know, when you first got introduced to NXT, you know, the, the hour-long show, each week kind of focusing on a few different storylines and not kind of oversaturating it either. Of course, this week about the women's division as well. Mackenzie, they're quite impressive off the top with his spear. That might be over. No well, door managing to kick out. Uh, do you think that was a good concept that NXT used to use, you know, with the one hour? I used to absolutely love it. It was, you know, it didn't drag on. It finished before it got boring. You know, you kind of knew that everyone would get an allotted time, you know, so you'd be able to know exactly what feuds was going on to the five-match pay-per-view that they'd have that would only last an hour and a half, two hours max, um, which was an absolute perfect timing. And for NXT UK to kind of follow this trend as well, you know, the women, they get an absolute brilliant amount of time. Well, yeah, and, and this is the thing that I've been really enjoying. It's taking me back to the old days of NXT. The talent in NXT UK stands out as well. You see Isla Dawn there with a vicious German suplex on uh, Mackenzie. Actually eliminate her in this matchup. But then straight away, you see Dana Luna coming in. Of course, part of subculture teaming up now with uh, Mandrews and uh, Webster. And she is uh, taking herself to a different level. Of course, the Welsh native is... Uh, only a recent addition to the women's division, but she has impressed me because of her, her kind of skill set that she's got involved. And, of course, she's going to have the advantage in this matchup now as well, isn't she? Absolutely, yeah. She's the more fresher woman. You know, she's coming into uh, an Isla Dorn who's faced a few minutes with Millie McKenzie as well. So, um, do you think anyone would kind of be able to go to... WWE. I think this is what I like about NXT UK as well, is that it's still a developmental, and I think we see that with the women's division, especially these women, but you look at the talent that's come through. You know, former champions, Tony Storm, of course, Ray Ripley now as well. Ripley, of course, the Raw Women's Champion. There's been some great... Ray Ripley, she was NXT, NXT, Raw. And Exactly, and so that's the build to go. So someone like Isla Dawn, if she can get serious, get behind her, you know, uh, in NXT UK, have that success, go to NXT and find it. You know, Tony Storm will maybe eventually have an opportunity. You know, someone like Kaylee Ray is a great thing because we were surprised when she won the Women's Championship and she's proven everybody wrong. So even, I'm not going to say she can't go to NXT or she can't go to the main roster and prove it because she's proved everybody wrong. 
And that is what they're trying to fight to face, which is even harder when you think they're putting themselves through this matchup just to face the forever champion in Kaylee Ray. And Danny Luna has shown a bit of an experience running headfirst into that turnbuckle and getting rolled up by Isla Dorna. Second victory or second elimination even. Well, will it be third strike and she'll be out because Satamora's coming down now. She don't look like she's going to play about. Well, Miko Satamora wasn't even in this matchup announced because she's faced Katie Ray before. And like we talked about on Prelude, has faced Isla Dawn. She's coming down fresh, the best in the world. The one woman who is respected by everybody, be it AEW or WWE. And Dawn's going to try and give her best credit to her. Well, running drop kick just basically immediately stops Satamora before she even gets into the ring properly. And Dawn's showing the fire here. And showing a lot in this matchup, impressing me. Just trying to beat down on Satamora, who's come to NXT UK. He can go anywhere in the world and win the Women's Championship. But you've got to think the tank is running low on Isla Dawn. You know, um, she's only been going for, what, 10 minutes? So it's not she was having a main event match. She'd be going for 20, 20 plus minutes. So That's true. But you've got to think of mental exhaustion as well. Different opponents, different game plans. Didn't even know Miko was going to be in this matchup. But if she's going to be the champion, James, she needs to be able to act, adapt, overcome, go from the start. You know, people have gone from number one in the Royal Rumble and fought through 29 other guys. You know, to fight through four other people shouldn't be a hardship. Well, like you said, if you want to win it, then like I said, you've got to beat everybody that's involved. You know, and it's less punishing than an elimination chamber, which is a similar kind of concept. Well, you say that, that kick to the head of Dawn there, but like it had enough to... impact of no, a chamber. But not quite enough to keep Dawn down. Well, Dawn's still in this one. And like I said, she's got a lot of fight in her and maybe this new character that she's got is making it work out. But the kick's... For Miko and the strikes. Well, is this Ladorn summoning a dark side of uh, power to help overcome these challenges? Well, it looked like that now. She moved that away of Miko and she kind of got it from somewhere. And the kicks, like I said, of Satamora and the punches, all different angles, so you can't block them. But Dawn now might have this match. Lovely bit of veteran experience there from Satamora holding onto the ropes. It didn't pay off in the end. Do you think it is a waste having a wild card entrant? come in and not win it like you know we've we saw in the casino battle royal on AEW with leo rush coming in you know do you think it's a waste or do you think it's too cliche to have a i i think if it's no offense to leo rush but when you compare it someone's like Mika satamora i think it changes things i think the bigger the impact of the surprise i think you know especially with this match now satamora might be the favorite not then with a double knees to the face by dawn and maybe if dawn can get the victory she'll prove She's the best in the, the women's division. Running knee strike. Knees, but Satamora managing to roll out the way. You see the DDT now setting up the kick and Satamora. Oh, lands it. One of the best in the world there with a back kick to the head. But I don't think she's finished yet with Dawn. Hoisting her up. Fireman's carry. No. Dawn with the roll up. One, two. No. Kick out. Ah. Into an armbar. Mora looks poised to finish off Dawn. Well, that's that Mora knowing exactly where she is, exactly that time. Into then... a roll-up. Two, three. There we go. Isla Dawn eliminated, but what a performance, Dan. You must be impressed with what she accomplished there. Very impressed, yeah. You know, managing to counter from the roll-up. 
when it looked like it was going to be escaped straight into um, sorry into from a submission. Then it looked like it was going to be escaped. Oh, here comes Ginny, accompanied of course by Joseph Connor. We'll get onto Connors in a little bit, Dan. But Ginny coming out the uh, fashionista, she calls herself Ginny Couture. She literally thinks she is the best thing going in the women's division. But unfortunately, she's going to have to go against Satamora here. Please, one striking. Well, at the moment in time, she's the last woman in. So whoever wins this is the number one contender now. And does it give an advantage having someone on the outside? Or when you're the best in the world, doesn't it? Um, when you're going against Miko, you could have a ring <laughs> surrounded by people against her and Satamora could on top. She's that damn. Oh, Jenny wants to prove that she belongs. And she's come up short in the past. See, an updated women's list, would that include Satamora? Well, Satamore would be a different one because if you look at the impact she's had outside, there's no doubt she should be in the top 10 anywhere. It's like, you know, would there be a, a, a Piper Niven? Well, that's the question. You know, if we're going to do, look at, uh, probably, I don't know, that's what I'm saying. It'd be interesting to have a look at. We will have a look at, of course, women's lists. That involved UK talent as well. Of course, the men's list as well. Uh, and tag teams at some point. As Dawn now, uh, Dawn, sorry, my bad, Ginny. Trying to take control of this matchup, but I don't think trying to out wrestle Miko is actually going to work. Or mightn't it? It's a British style, you know. Can that trump the uh, Japanese strong style, so to speak? Well, you know, it depends on the wrestler and the opponent, really. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you could probably use British, Japanese, Irish, and uh, Cantonese strong style against Satamura, and she'll still beat you. Well, I'm saying that at the moment, Dawn. Very nice for the uh, armbar and keeping close contact. And maybe this is just a strategy because the thing is, if Satmore is there, she can't kick you. (laughs) So, why say that? So, who would your favoured opponent for Kaylee Ray be? Piper Niven. But I don't know. My only thoughts about why we haven't seen Niven and Kaylee Ray yet and Niven winning the championship is because of no takeover. A bit like why I dragon off. And Volta haven't had their, their rematch yet. Or uh, Aya didn't win the title. I may be wrong with that. But I think if we've had a takeover. If we can build towards one. I think those are the matches that we're going to. Those will be the two top matches we see. And maybe Mustache Mountain for the tag team titles. Or something like that. It would be so, interesting. You so know, is that why you think NXT UK are holding off. Kind of crowning new champions. For that simple fact that they want to do it in front of them. Uh, they, you know, they want to kind of give something back to the fans that have been faithful throughout this. Yeah, and uh, don't get me wrong, right? You know, like we talk about 500-day reigns, uh, 700-day for Walter as well. They have had six months off, and I think this few months now back, of course, since we've had it, is them adding, you know, to the record, getting a few defences in, just so it doesn't look like, or you held it for this long, you only had four total defences, maybe, and then a takeover, because they've cancelled takeover Dublin that they had scheduled, but maybe... I don't know if they're going to come back you know, or have an event in the UK this year. This is what I'm saying. Yeah. But can they hold off for that long with these champions? You know, Miko Satamora here and, and uh, Ginny. You know, one of these women deserve a chance? Or, or is she the forever champion? Is it just like, this has happened, but even if it didn't, she would still be that champion? Oh, indeed, yes. You know, uh... I'm sure these are the questions that are going to be getting answered. Well, that's well, this is the thing of NXT UK. This is what we're going to follow for, for the year as well to see where it goes. And at the moment, you know, we know the next challenger, Kaylee Ray, is one of these two women. Uh, and we're going to find out what happens, of course, in the men's future as well. But 
Satamura's got Ginny all tied up and Ginny attempting a few strikes. Satamura just shaking them off, hitting a few of her own and uh, Ginny doing everything she can. Manages to get a suplex from off her knees. Very impressive into a cover, but not quite good enough. Now you see the strength still left in Miko as Connor's looking on, trying to help her out in any way he can. But at the moment, it is just a old-fashioned uh, slugfest between the women. Do you know who he looks like? Neil from the Young Ones. Mate, his gimmick, <laughs> his gimmick is the old William Regal. Yeah. Like, honestly, it's, it's awful what he does. He just looks like Neil. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it is Neil from the Young Neil Ones. Yeah, young ones yeah, Nigel Planer. <laughs> well, nothing's more plainer than that, Dan. Miko Satamora with the uh, spinning heel kick. Right in the face of Ginny. Now looking to go to the... Uh, STF. And the submission locked in. Trying to crawl. She's got a, quite a lanky frame, so her reach should be a bit better than most other competitors. And that helps get her to the bottom rope. Samora forced to break the hold. Well, Connor's better be careful, because Miko, I don't think Connor's not old enough to be put over her knee. I'll tell you that. As Ginny now using the interference. Hanging Miko up on the middle rope. Bouncing her head first. It's over to cover. Well, Just a two count. Two. The thing with Ginny, as I say, is it's not pretty, but it's effective. And what I've seen of her in this division as well, she's gone about her business quite well. Uh, maybe, you know, failing in the top matches, but if she can get this victory now, there's no doubt that she can make a huge statement as now Miko picking up Ginny, but Connor's on the apron. A worthwhile distraction, even if it did him getting a kick to the midsection. Satamura's head is turned for Ginny to... Attempt to strike, blocked by Satamura. And a Death Valley driver there, sending Ginny down, but back up just in time to catch a kick. Straight to the chest. Ginny still being defiant. Step up, axe kick to the back of the head, (laughs) into the cover. Ginny's out. One, two, three. There you go. And I think that's going to be something that Kaylee Ray is going to have to think long and hard about how she's going to beat. Miko Satamura. Well, I would say that's an excellent point because first up, Miko Satamura wins the Gauntlet match, becomes a long contender. But there is no doubt in my mind, Dan, that Katie Ray is watching this in the back, taking notes on Satamura. That's what a good champion is, but what an incredible number one contender to go through that. Dan, what were your thoughts on the matchup? I thought the matchup was good, you know, seeing Isla Dawn dominating throughout the first couple of bouts. You know, um, you thought maybe something good could come her way, but. Up steps Satamora, who vanquishes her and Ginny in quite spectacular fashion. Did she do it convincingly enough to be able to face the forever champion? I don't know, maybe a match or, well, a face-off <laughs> will tell the time. And Kaylee Ray is out in the entranceway, belt proudly around her waist. She's not afraid. And that is one thing about Kaylee Ray that we have seen uh, here in NXT UK is that she wants the challenges. If Miko Satamora, you know, wanted to come to NXT UK, she wanted to face her. She has beaten her once. The question is, the first time, was it just an upset? Was it just a mistake? Can Satamora actually get the job done? Or is Kaylee Ray, like you said, the forever champion? It's an interesting question. What are your thoughts on the, the NXT UK women's division? Little snapshot there. Uh, I think it's good. You know, I think it is um, the way that it's being held on NXT UK's regards, is how it should be held across any wrestling company. Yeah. I I think women, you know, they should be given a time to showcase the talents. And in a lot of matches, they are 
as good as, if not better than, a lot of men's matches I've seen. Yeah, without a doubt. And you see a nice sign of respect there uh, with each woman bowing to each other. Oh! No! <laughs> Kaylee, the cheap shot, <laughs> taking down her new challenger. Well, and that is something we're going to see uh, coming up on NXT UK. But move on to our next episode, and it is the 20th of May. And we open a video package based on last week's sit-down interview highlighting Tyler Bate, now and Dahl's two prior matches, including one with a crowd, along with A-Kids Runners Heritage Champions so far. And, of course, we're back in the BT Sports Studios in London with Andy Shepard and Nigel McGuinness voicing the action. We start off with Rampage Brown versus Wolfgang. Well, Rampage's search for another match with Joe Coffey led to this after he um, interrupted a kickabout with Gallus. Well, the pair scrap on the outside with Wolfgang backing Rampage into the ring post. Wolfgang breaks a count out but rolls Rampage back in as he wore him down with grinding his elbow into Wolfgang's knee. Rampage fought free but ends up getting caught with a shadows over hell for a near fall. Well, Spear follows up for a near fall as Wolfgang keeps up lamenting but he's grounded and the abdominal stretch made famous by Wilbur Schneider back in the day is counted out with a hip toss. Rampage throws Wolfgang to the corner then followed up with a clothesline and the doctor bomb for the win. Uh, this was a good, hard-hitting match. Brown working his way through Gallus, who have done everything in NXT UK, and he wants their leader. And then we see Tyler Bates jogging on the spot backstage, ready for his main event match. Yes, and earlier this week at the Performance Centre, Ashton Smith is throwing medicine balls. He's randomly asked about being a new father when Tillman interrupts to talk to him about family. He brings up Oliver Carter, who's been MIA for a while, and suggests that he's forgotten about his family. Well, we see Aoife Valkyrie gets a solid vignette. She's rebuilding herself after her first loss against Miko Setamaro three weeks back. At least she's not had a crisis of confidence then. Well, backstage, Rampage is icing his ribs as he walks into Gallus. Joe Coffey still wants a match, but only when Rampage is healed. And then we get Amel versus uh, Brookside. This is Amel's first appearance on the show in over three months and earned herself this match by attacking Zaya Brookside two weeks ago. Or in the ring, Amel stays on top of Brookside, stomping a mud hole in her before a face-washing boot almost got the French native her first win. A whip takes Brookside back into the corner, but Zia fights back, sidestepping the charge before a drop kick took Amel down. Hair scissors keep Amel down as she did running neck breaker, but Amel's back with forearms and a Northern Light suplex for a near fall. Well, Brookside kicks Amel down out the corner, but Amel pulls her back off the top rope. Then snatched the win with a modified spine buster. That's the Mills made a win on NXT UK. Uh, Hill wins the grud match. So the face gets taken out and then loses the match when she comes back. Doesn't normally happen. But, you know, I suppose it was okay. But both still very green. Yes, indeed. Hopefully, you know, better and bigger things are to come for both. A-Kid is flexing with resistance bands backstage. And then we see Shah Samuels is picking his horses. As Nathan Fraser walks in to steal his cuppa. Fraser snatches the paper as he gets his wish of a match next week. They replay Miko Satamora winning last week's gauntlet match and the post-match altercation with Kaylee Ray. There's some sort of angry Miko backstage. And then we get the Supernova sessions and cue the TV chat music. Ah, uh, dragging off the guest. He doesn't seem to be in the mood. Perhaps it's Colin the Caterpillar. Or no arms making little things a little serene with tea lights and waterfall. It's like a spa. He's got a wacky bar throw for Ia as Dar then plays amateur psychologist over Dar Ia's ag- anger issue. Dragunov tells us he felt pain after losing to Volta and was taken out on everyone who was in his way. Well, apparently he is not that person anymore. But Dar brings up how Ia broke Dave Mastiff's nose, then gave him a gift. 
a stuffed therapy dog for his trip back to Wigan and bought a personalised harness for it. From experience, I know those things aren't cheap. Druganoff tries to laugh it off and said that he could hurt Noam. Dar says that he is a fake and pokes the bear before they sign off. It comes back to take his therapy dog, which somehow wound up Noah. Uh, well, Dar is either the bravest man in NXT UK or the stupidest. But he's the glue that holds the show together. I mean, his supernova sessions are the reason why these matches kind of get made and all this kind of stuff. And it's great to see, like I said, Dar and Shah are great talents. And I drag him off with this storyline, and we're going to go into it as well, uh, into NXT UK, is, is probably my favourite in wrestling at this moment. But earlier this week, Sam Gradwell was in the Performance Centre looking for the assistant to the regional manager who has flags. Gradwell accused them of having a hazardous work environment and wants a match with Trent Seven. After a break, the assistant to the regional manager has some announcements. Noam Dar versus Ir Dragunov is in two weeks, with Joe Coffey versus Rampage Brown also for two weeks' time. So we move on to a main event of this show. It's the Heritage Cup. It's Tyler Bate versus A-Kid. We've just seen the introductions. And uh, what are your thoughts on Tyler Bate? You see him there. How's he looking to you? Of course, the very first former NXT UK champion. Um, I don't know. He's looking like he's kind of beefing up, training up. He's uh, looking in better shape than he ever has done. So we see the introductions here for the Heritage Cup. And of course, A-Kid lifting the trophy and kissing it. Was it for the last time, Dan, maybe? I mean, Tyler Bate, these two men are one and one when it comes down to it. But when they uh, come the line... A-Kid came through. What are your predictions in this one? Um, I would like to see Tyler Bate go on to get the victory. But, you know, A-Kid, I think he seems to be the uh, the man to take this. It's kind of like a mid-weight title, isn't it, for the NXT UK division? Played by a certain set of rules. Three-minute rounds? Yes, six three-minute rounds, yeah. And, of course, to, you've got to get two falls to one. We've got to a bit accustomed to the Heritage Cup rules now, haven't we? We've seen it. A few times watches like it. What are your thoughts on that match type? Um, I think it's something different. You know, uh, it, it brings something good to a title. You know, it's kind of like having a hardcore title where every match is hardcore rules. You know, it's it's got a certain rule type and stipulation. I think it's good to have that kind of title around because, you know, you can have normal matches for an Intercontinental Championship and kind of, you know, it, you can have any different types. You know, you're stuck to a certain set of rules for a match, which I think it's it's good for that cup. Yeah, and it's a very old school style because, of course, back in the days, British wrestling used to have, did have the round systems, and uh, this is a very interesting matchup because, of course, a kid coming through uh, with a lot of uh, you know big things behind him being trained by Tyler Bate as well. But you know, the question is, is is it Bate has said that his overconfidence is going to get to him? You know, even in the build up to this matchup, a kid is going to win, and Bate says no, you need to kind of lose to be uh, a main superstar. Is that true? To all the best wrestlers in the world, do they have to go through defeats to find a work out what went wrong and, and how to improve themselves? I, I think that helps build a wrestler to a complete hole. You know, to uh, when you've got an undefeated streak, you've kind of got a different type of pressure on you. Um, but, you know, when you've experienced loss, as, you know, every single wrestler out there, um, you, you kind of, you know, you know what it's like to be on both sides of the coin. So you kind of, it makes you appreciate winning more. If you've been poor for ages, it makes you appreciate money. But I think this is the thing with Tyler Bate and the thing we've seen with him ever since losing the championship. Has he really pushed on? You know, a couple of runs with uh, 
Trent Seven as NXT Tag Team Champions kind of didn't really play out on the singles competition. He's like coming close and coming up short against his kind of... Pro- is this the time now for Bate to say, now hang on a minute, because his problem is, is that his potential or that was his peak. And there's no doubt about this guy is still young and he's got a hell of a future in front of him, you know? Absolutely, yeah. I don't think he's even close to reaching his peak as of yet. You know, he has uh, experienced the biggest loss in NXT UK. <coughs> Um, which, you know, and to understand and to build himself up from that, to get himself back into a position where he's fighting Heritage Cup against the man that he trained. And surely that says something about his training ability, that if he's able to train someone to the point where he's unable to beat them, or he's got to go above and beyond to beat them. I think about that, and I think what we've seen from that first round of action as well is that at the moment it's complete stalemate. You know, the proper chain wrestling that we're seeing, the interconnection. Like I said, these two guys know each other so well because, like I said, Bait has taught him. But is it a case of Bait has taught a kid everything he a kid knows, but not everything that? And now we're going to see that as the rounds go on. But has everything a kid learned been from Bait? Has he not picked up a few things from down the line from other people? You know, is there maybe a few things that a kid knows that Bait doesn't? Well, what I find interesting as well about this match is Trent Seven is in Tyler Bates' corner. And usually it might not be the case. Do you think there's a reason for it? Do you think these guys, after maybe suffering a few losses recently, we know Trent Seven's got a big match against Sam Gradwell coming up, but is it a case of trying to build back up again? Well, I think, you know, having a familiar face in your corner, as is common with Trent Seven, um, you know, it is, it is good for Tyler Bates to kind of have a familiar ground, you know. Trent Seven was around when he won the championship. Trent Seven's been there. You know, he's helped him, helped pick him up. And that maybe Trent Seven's been backstage going, look, you know, this is where you're going wrong in the match. If I was out in your corner giving you a bit of advice, telling you which direction to go, maybe that might help you. Tyler Bates like, well, I haven't managed to beat him thus far. Anything's worth a shot. Well, this is the thing. And, and when he did... You know, kind of beaten before, it was when A-Kid was just starting out. And this, this the guy is he's really on the kind of upward trajectory of it, you know. And we can see how good he is. You know, I've always been a bit worried about the personality. But especially when you're kind of protected in this Heritage Cup, you're not really seeing much. It doesn't matter. And these beautiful exchanges between these blokes as well, It's you can certainly tell it is two blokes certainly wanting to kind of get the better out of themselves, but kind of bring the best out in their opponent as well. Because I'm sure Tyler Bate, as annoyed that he would be of losing it to A-Kid, he'd be happy in a way, you know, look, I've put my name to that. He's got the Tyler Bate stamp of approval. Well, I find interesting as well is that Bate will relate to A-Kid because of the fact of, you know, Bate was young, 19, when he won the the UK tournament, won the championship. Exactly the same as A-Kid, who's come along, won the Heritage Cup at a very young age. And Bate's probably looking at him going, mate, you've got this sorted out, but I was on that, you know, there. And like I said, he's trying to maybe help him out. And if A-Kid can beat Bate, maybe he's a bit ahead of the development at that point in time, you see. And it's, and another thing I was going to say to you, just about the style. If anybody listening, how does this a British style to it? Do you know what I mean? We talk about the kind of chain wrestling that. What makes it a British style and what, what are the certain things that they are doing? You know? I think the flow certainly helps with the British style. Um, you know, these chain moves, they're not sitting there working rest holds. It's forever change it is like you know trying to counter a move that you're in eventually you know trying about three or four different ways finally getting a counter only to be recountered using your body momentum against you it is you know it is free flowing it is really uh i don't know it's quite 
relaxing to watch. <laughs> yeah, it's not boring. That is, no. You know, like I said, it's it's even that, like the drop kick and the nip up. But it's uh, always trying to connect it, trying to get hold of an arm or, or a leg or, you know, trying to work that somehow. Like the Conan Elbow type is such an easy hold, but actually means something in this one because they're kind of fighting for control. It is, and it's not like, you know, one person's got the collar and elbow type and is pushing it, it's going backwards and forwards, backwards and forwards, having a corner man, you know, getting a drink and a breather in between rounds, trying to get some, like, information whilst trying to catch your breath, whilst trying to focus on what you're going to do for the next round. There's a lot more to it than just going out there and wrestling a 20-minute, 15-minute match. I was going to say, and the crazy thing is six minutes now have gone, and it's kind of flown by just because they're still trying to fill each other out. It's not like they've been wasting time or anything like that. They're trying to find a way in, and then once they can maybe take advantage. Yeah, and if I was point scoring this, I'll be point scoring it nil-nil. You know, no man has got the better of the other man. No man has kind of been out on top. No man has been down on his feet. You know, no man has got any big strikes in thus far, and it is, but... You know, an impact is being made in this match. It's not as if they've been standing across the ring, kind of like circling around each other. They have been locking up. They have been tying up. They've been exchanging. They've been trying to find a weak point in their opponent. You know, maybe it's the wrist, maybe, you know, the knee. And, you know, just the way they go through discovering, you know, round three is going to be about kind of Tyler Bay looking to get the elbow or to, to get the wrist locked. But as I said, it's an excellent point as well because of what they're doing. And it shows you the kind of respect that they have and, and the closeness of the relationship that they haven't gone striking yet, you know, they haven't really laid hands. And maybe it's a bit more about a kind of ego thing as well for both men wanting to out-wrestle the kind of other one as well. So it's interesting that Bate now is maybe turned... Uh, you say Bate's turned up a little bit, and then Aikid is literally right back on the back. And this is, I don't know, to me, it doesn't a wrestler's calling it. I think this is kind of like two two men in the ring. Right, what can you do? And the, these are actually going for it. But they're kind of making it a bit more flamboyant. Well, then this is the thing, and you can see now, even with that, this submission attempt bait managed to get out of it. And this is exactly what they used to do when they were kind of, you know, training as well. And there you go. <laughs> and that is the one shot that you need. <clears throat> and it's kind of put Tyler Bait on the back burner, not able to recover as quickly. And that's a kid's way in. And that's the secret. Eight minutes in as well. And that strike gets a reaction that what a steel chair would get in a... Do you know what yeah. I mean? In a hardcore match or something like it's that. It's like, you know, in AEW, someone's just been busted open to get that reaction. But it's not. It's just like, you know, people are like, oh, yeah, you know, you're watching cricket and you're watching ages. It's like single run, single yeah. run, duck, 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 single run. And then bang, someone hits a six and everyone's on their yeah. feet clapping. <laughs> it's the British way. I might find it boring, but it's actually so poetic and beautiful the way they've been building up to that huge strike. Well, and what's interesting about it as well is Aikid came back in, bait caught with the uppercut. (laughs) (laughs) And he said, you want to play those games? Let's go to it. And bait has switched up. He's gone to like an MMA style, a couple of kicks, and then just flies towards Aikid, takes him over the top rope. And, you know, you're kind of at the back end of round three, and this is where it starts. You know, you've had... the start of a slow burn this is a match taken out but with breathers in between as well but they kind of add to the match yeah without a doubt and now it goes to the break both men still outside and Bates gonna wonder you know if this ends in a draw then a kid will retain so it's gonna be interesting to see what Tyler Bates can do we're trying to make the most of their, their breather taking on some uh, vital liquids but you can see there look Trent Seven is in the corner Giving him not only the water, but giving him the advice, telling him a few things to do. He's hey, saying, look, that works. Go for that again. 
fixed up to the MMA. It was working just at the end. You took him out. No, look at the body language as well. Straight out. Sorry. I was about to say, look at the body language. A kid in the corner now. He was barely trying to get up. You know, Bate knew this. That's probably what Seven said. A kid had no one in this corner. And now Bate's gone the attack. And the action's picked up now because of that strike earlier. That is it. It's like Bate's going with what works. You know, he wasn't out wrestling him. It was going to a stalemate. Right, let's change it up. A bit of MMA. But Aikis managed to land a Inseguri to the side of Bates' head, though. It slowed him down. And I think Aikid wants to turn this back into a wrestling match. He was getting out full. Right, doubt. But you can see a nice power move there from Aikid. You talk about Bate and his power, but uh, Aikid impressing. And you see maybe Bate, though, might have overspent himself in that early going. Well, I think Tyler was just drawing him into the corner. Up top. But no, Aikid had it scouted in, into a backslide for the cover only a two count two and now A-Kid trying to tie up Tyler Bate he manages to wrestle him up onto his shoulders helicopter spin but A-Kid managing to slide down onto the back with a sleeper what can Tyler Bate do from here not a lot <laughs> a couple of wrenches from A-Kid drops co- uh, Bate to his knee Trent Seven's trying to shout advice but I don't know how much Tyler Bate can take on board well, that was interesting for Aikid. Maybe he thought he couldn't get him down with the sleep hole, so he's changed to a kick, but still couldn't get bait. Now goes straight back to it, and there's no wasted motion here from either man at this moment in time. Absolutely not, no. Aikid certainly is not going to sleep on Tyler Bait. He knows exactly what his mentor is capable of. Now, Dan, you talk about being on someone's back. If you're on the back as well, you can avoid most of the uh, the moves that Bait might do. Well, you can't avoid that turnbuckle. And jumping off the second rope, you jump straight into an uppercut. And with Tyler Bate the edge back in this match. Well, I think Aikid might have lost one of his teeth and there was Bate. Tyler Bate got Aikid up. No, Aikid with a guillotine and the grapevine as well. well. He's got Bate in serious trouble here. Bate's trying to roll out, but he's rolled into it. Head first on the mat. Well, if Tyler taps out, he faces an immountable mountain to climb. But Bate... Back up to a vertical base. Trying to turn this round. Power aching up into a suplex. <laughs> and lands it. was a brain buster as well. Absolutely beautiful. Well, can he get the cover? Can he get it in time? One. T- oh. Time limit. <laughs> time ran and out. That's the thing. It could have been a pinfall victory <laughs> right there. But I didn't even notice the clock running down. <laughs> I'm so into the match. I'm like, what the fuck's the ref doing? <laughs> well, there you go. Another break. But you got to think. Again, look at body language in either corner. Bate is crawling back. But Aikid's in serious trouble as well. He's got no one to talk to him. I don't know. His trainer might be a friend. It might be someone who's uh, actually in his corner, not just a corner man. Well, you can see the Heritage Cup shining as we look on to find out who will be the champion after this. We're into the fifth round already. And the wear and tears, uh, you can tell on both men at this moment in time. Well, Tyler Bate didn't come charging out this time. <laughs> Bate again, just beautiful, trying to get control. Nice hip toss, fighting for control. A-Kid each time managing to get the shoulder up. A-Kid now managing to bridge up, get himself to the top rope. Whoa. But Bate now just showing sheer strength. Fucking hell. Getting <laughs> with a German. That was absolutely brutal. <laughs> Only getting a two count, though. Two. And Bate and A-Kid definitely impressing here tonight. That's Trent Seven now looking on, saying maybe Tyler Driver. That's what he's going to look for well, now on A-Kid. Yeah, you called it. But A-Kid wise to it. Floating out. 
Oh, well, swinging back, using his body weight to get a pinfall attempt. Bate managing to bridge out. Turns it round. Tyler Driver. No. Powerbomb. Yes, hits it. Two. Two. No. no. A-Kid managing to kick out. Uh. God. <laughs> and I don't think Tyler Bate can believe that A-Kid's still in this matchup. Tyler Bate going to dig deep, though, going up top. A-Kid still prone on the canvas. Oh, my God. And Bate's going to risk it all. Oh. Corkscrew splash missed. Straight into an armbar from A-Kid. Bate managing to grasp his fingers together. No. Turning it around into a pinfall attempt. A-Kid wise to it. Still trying to grab the left arm of Bate. Well, you can see the hammer fist now by Bate. Loosening submission. Went for it again. <laughs> Comes flying in but gets caught. What's that, like rings of Saturn? Oh, yeah, he's looking for the submission. It's how he won the Heritage Cup. Thank you, Andy Shepard. Well, there's 26 seconds on the clock. I'm keeping me on it this time. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to be caught out like that. Oh, and he's struggling, but he's nowhere near. And the arm getting oh, stretched. Getting wrenched back. Oh. Trent Seven going to throw the towel in for his buddy. Don't do it, Seven. Don't do it. He can hold on. Don't. And A-Kid's got the leg again. Is it worth it? Bates fighting. One second. Oh. It looked like Trent Seven was close to throwing it in. <laughs> he immediately gets into the ring. Well, Trent Seven there might look at Bates. He can't get tagged in this time, mate. It can only be there in an, in an advisory capacity. Well, there we said, but he's there for his fed. There's nothing he can do, but he's got the office support. He's saying, don't throw the towel in. Don't. Whatever happens, don't throw the towel in. And now A-Kid, you talk about body language the past couple of rounds, Dan. Going to the sixth round here. A-Kid looking fresh as a daisy on the side. And Bate is really, really struggling. Well, he didn't even manage to take any water on board. But Bate rolling out the way, drop, dodging a drop kick as well. His left arm seems to be in a bit of pain. But A-Kid going straight to the leg. Well, now look, just a straight kick from A-Kid. Maybe showing a bit of an experience. But he's got the leg trying to crank it. Jumping over. Yeah! Springboard clothesline. <laughs> Absolutely beautiful. And now he's got A-Kid. Can he get him? No. no. Hurricane Rana. Two. two. No. Bate managing to get the shoulder up at two. Two. Well, A-Kid asking the referee if that was the right count there. But dodging A-Kid's kick. Oh. Hits him with a huge right hand. But gets caught with a super kick in response. Roll up attempt. But Bate with two, a... Two. Three. three. <laughs> got Tyler Bate has got the Heritage Cup. Tyler Bate managing A-Kid. Can't believe it. Got caught. Oh, the young man must be devastated. Well, he's had to suffer defeat. And this could be the defeat needed to make him the more rounded man. Well, but what a performance by A-Kid there. If you didn't know who he was before, Dan, or anybody else, then definitely watch this match with Tyler Bate. What do you think about the former champion? The six-month reign is over. I think it's been absolutely brilliant. Just the story told in this match was absolutely perfect. From the first round, the feeling out process, the second round was even the same. You know, and then it changed up the third round and then Tyler Bate coming out and then A-Kid coming out strong. They both had their moments. They both had their adrenaline rushes. But A-Kid, will he present it? Will he be the noble gentleman? Well, we saw him earlier and he realises now Bate deserves it. And what a nice moment that is. And for such a young man, what a nice show of respect. Absolutely brilliant from the young man. And Tyler Bate (laughs) becomes the very first man to hold the NXT UK Heavyweight and Heritage Cup 
And what a moment is, and maybe this is the renaissance of NXT talk- tag team. And we're talk- so <laughs> I think he's a former NXT team champion. I'm not sure about NXT UK, but the success of Bate, this might be a renaissance here for him to really start going. The question is, how much did Trent Seven help him? And what a great match that was. Dan, what do you think of Tyler Bate and his performance here tonight? Um, I think he's had an absolutely brilliant performance, having his buddy in the corner. You know you know what it's like when you've got a friend by your side, James, helping pull you through the dark side. <laughs> you know, and he's he's been a resurgence for his mate Tyler Bate. You know, he knew Bate had it him all along and he just needed his friend there to help bring it out of him. Right, And the other thing, Dan, how good was that? And... This is the thing, NXT UK. People who might not watch it and that. It's an hour long. But it is, you get matches like this every week. I've been hooked from this since it came back. Uh, and the BT Sports Studios, the setting of it as well. It, it's full, Even though there's no crowd, it's still really good, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? You still get into it, obviously. You can hear Dan on the commentary there. Uh, so I was we... getting quite excited. <laughs> I was loving that match. So we move on to May 27th. Well, Andy Shepard and Nigel McGuinness welcome fans to WWE NXT UK. We kick things off with some high-flying action from Nathan Frazier, and he's going up against Shah Samuels, who's got Noam Dar in his corner. And the theme's pretty cool as well. Yeah, I quite like the theme. I think it's quite uh, it's got a catchy ring to it, you know? It is good. Yeah, I think it's got an old-school vibe to it. You know, <laughs> I think that's... That's a brilliant thing about it. And it's in London. In London, BT Studios. Just where, down the road. Where we see, yeah, where we see the majority of stuff happen. And like I said, with the, the setting and the, the map screens and how developed it is, you know, it is good to see NXT UK still being quite big. And like I said, what a huge episode we have tonight. Of course, Gradwell and Trent Seven later, you yogurt. But uh, Nathan Fraser, Charles Samuels. And of course, you've seen... Shah Samuels before Dan, before NXT UK, we're going to go on to that. But first up, Nathan Frazen, how much do you know about this young man? A little to, to uh, enlighten me. Yeah, without doubt. So this is um, Nathan Frazen, he's had a name change, because he used to be Ben Carter. He did, oh, Ben Carter. He did wrestle for AEW, yeah, he's the guy actually signed for NXT UK. So isn't that a bit of a surprise where you might have had an opportunity in AEW, but he decided... He, he's he's grown up, been trained by Seth Rollins. That's where he's come from, basically. He wanted to come back to the UK and learn more of the British style because he's known more of American. So that's not a bad way to go about your business, really, is it? No? Absolutely not, no. You know, if there's good ways of making your name in the business, and I think going this route, it's, yeah, you know, there's no reason why not. No, exactly. You work from your way up. You see him losing to Noam Dar last week as well, as we spoke about. Thanks in part to Shah Samuels. But, Dan, Shah Samuels, I mean... What what are the things that you do like about him, shall we say? I, I just like his character. He don't give a flying fuck. He's <laughs> I, I don't, he's just loud. He's a proper brash London geezer, isn't he? <laughs> and Charles Samuels, like I said, the character that he's got should work in NXT UK really, really well. And Nam Dar, and like I said, the association between the two, kind of big and little man, but he's lost none of his arrogance, has he, as Charles Samuels? No, not at all. And... You know, if he's working a crowd, lot, there's no crowd. <laughs> I know, but a lot of the people that I've seen and like, you know, I'll be like, I'm fucking glad he's made it, and he's one of them blokes. Him, I'm really surprised that Lord Gideon Grey <laughs> hasn't made it to either AEW or NXT UK, but we'll cross that bridge when he does eventually get signed and recognised. Lord Gideon Grey. Well, of course, like we talk about Rev Pro back in the day, when you think about how stacked. 
that roster was, even with people like Shah Samuels, like I said, Rampage Brown, now Amdar involved as well. All those guys at that time. Little did we know, Dan, that this NXT UK thing would happen. And now we're getting Shah Samuels versus Nathan Frazier. Um, it is great. I mean, we'll, we'll blow ourselves a little bit later on. But what do you think of Fraser? Because I'm quite impressed with his kind of look and, and his appearance. You know, comes with everything going for him at the moment. He looks very American. I think he looks too American. You know, if he wants to kind of... I don't mean kind of going like ten-sided when he went to Japan for a little while, you know. <laughs> that kind of... But, you know, at least tone it down a bit because he does look really American. I think that's... Look. Well, it's funny they... Flipping across the ring as well. It's like, like even though Andar's like, what the hell? <laughs> yeah, Andar has been brilliant. And it, it's his humour where I think if some American fans saw him... Uh, they wouldn't really understand, you know. But I think when you talk about, I think we talked about the women's match, like who's main roster ready. I think something like Charles Samuels and Andal would work so well because it, the consistency of the kind of the funniness that they could bring as well. Like Dar just thinks he's a dafty. Do you know what I mean? Like that's the type of thing that they do. And then Shah kind of take, and he's not going to be happy because his suspenders broken. Nah. But Fraser goes flying. I think like maybe Brian Kendrick esque. Do you know what I mean? In that kind of spanky look. <laughs> yeah, well, what, someone who could get thrown about quite easily. No, well, no, as in what he looks like kind of now, what he maybe wants to evolve to, if you know what I mean. Like, it would be interesting to see where Shah Samuel's like, he's perfect, but he's going to be a guy to beat, not the guy to beat. But you never know with Shah. I never thought he'd make it to WWE, I will be fair to say. No, um, yeah, with Shah Samuels, he's going to be the guy that you've got to beat to beat the guy, to get to the guy. He's, you know, he's not going to be the top, Man, I, I think, you know, a, a mid-card run is probably all he's going to be capable of, or maybe a tag team run. But like I said, I never thought maybe he'd be signed, so it, it's a little bit of a surprise there. And to be fair to him, he looks in great shape. When you consider he's been wrestling for, what, 22 years? Like, you know, the, the story of him being called, the, you know, the butcher of the East End is because his family, East End Butcher, are all butchers. And he used <laughs> to do that as a job, you know, when he was wrestling. So, you know, when you used to see him doing the local shows, as you've seen in front of, you know, 50 people, he was going out and working, you know, nine to five as well. So yeah. the, the journey of Shah, you talk about, uh, you know, especially with the UK scene, definitely deserves it. It's just a shame there's not that he can mug off. Do you know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. But, you know, once they do get in front of a crowd, they're going to have so much ammunition for him. So it's going to be bang, bang, bang. And, you know, again, with all these, no Amdar, I mean, he's not going to be stood there. He's going to be goading the front row crowd. He's going to be getting in their face. He's going to be calling them mugs and all that, isn't he? So, <laughs> yeah. oh, he's going to be dafter. He'll be dafter. And like I said, it works the other way around. And I can see Dar and, and Shah work as a tag team as well. I think that'd Dar be, and Shah. That'd be yeah, I think that'd be quite cool. Obviously, we've got... I'm not going to introduce you to Pretty Deadly this month, Dan, because your reaction to it is going to be very negative. So, we'll wait till next month to do that uh but the, the thing about it is that i think these two guys could work and i think you know i can't see it working as a face team i will be fair to say um, but i can see it working as a team that are hills but the fans absolutely yeah, fucking yeah. love <laughs> yeah. you know they're gonna be i mean in fact, you know things like that and the amount of if they was on like raw or smackdown the amount of things that the American WWE fans are going to pick up from them. Yeah. It's going to be absolutely brilliant. And like, you know, you mugs, you know, and it's it's going to be the suspender belts as well. I think that's going to get brilliant. The scarves. And yeah, just their, just their general personas. And another thing I like about it as well, 
general personas. Uh, we're like, no, I'm Darwin. Well, some of people so underrated. And he goes, no, I know how rated I am. I know how good I can be. But I want to be in NXT UK. I want to kind of help it out. It might be the same as a Tyler Bate as well. It might be the same as, like we say, Nathan Fraser's come down here. Charles Samuels. And it's going to build a great division. Like you see, th- these are guys who could be mid-card. They could be, you know, uh, main event level. And it's just building them up as well, isn't it, with little feuds? Absolutely, yeah. It's getting a bit of recognition, you know. Maybe one fan sees it. It's like, oh, this is actually quite good. It's like with wrestling. He's told his mate. They've told a couple of others. And then, you know, they've got a little group of them that enjoy talking about NXT UK. That's what I'm saying. And this is how easy it is to pick up as well. And you can see, you know, how good it is when you've got these kind of level of matches. Charles Samuels, a guy. It, these are two guys, a completely different spectrum. You know, like one guy who's dedicated his craft to the UK scene for the past two decades compared to a guy that's just come over recently and wants to prove it. And is there any better way of proving than earning your stripes and taking a beating from someone like Shah Samuels? Yeah, but again, I don't want to see Shah Samuels become the Cassius Ono of NXT UK. (laughs) Yeah, that's great. You know, that would absolutely (laughs) be a waste of Shah Samuels' talent. (laughs) I would love to see him become the NXT UK champion one day. I think that would be absolutely brilliant. Um, but you know he's someone that would certainly deserve it. Yeah, I think without doubt, and I think uh, I've seen the phrase as well. I mean, he's playing a good babyface in peril at the moment. You know, he's, he's taking a beating well. He's, he's he's selling all right. Like I said, very Americanized about it. But when you've got people, you know, backstage that are going to teach you a few things, a few tricks as well. But then, like you know, you watch his first match and you watch this match. There's probably like a few things he's might have picked up in the time since then. You know, so you could like kind of notice. His progression going out, you know, and then about three or four months' time when he's had about a dozen matches, yeah, you'll see a lot more of a British strong style about him. Well, this is the thing, and working matches with Charles Samuels and Anam Dar is going to teach you that British style uh, pretty fucking quickly. Do you know what I mean? Like, you're going to have to kind of hang and do what they do as well. You see Fraser now uh, making his babyface comeback. It's weird to see Shaw without the uh, suspense, but I suppose he did have no he choice. He doesn't actually look like Shaw Samuels without them suspenders. <laughs> looked... I know he's got the high-waisted trunks, but nah, Shaw, without them braces. Well, Fraser there taking Shaw down and then looking straight at Naam Dar. Then Naam Dar's face, trying to distract him long enough. And Shaw makes his way up to his feet, but does he get caught in the eye? Well, that's what he's saying. I think it was just a distraction tactic. Naam Dar getting taken out, though. Well, Dar failing a little bit, but he's coming into the ring. Perfect distraction tactic, though. All eyes are on Dar. As Shah with a roll-up. Handful of tights. No, kick out. Uh, well, Dar gets thrown out, and that's the referee that we met as well, Dan. That's the guy I forgot to ask who he was. Oh, my God. Wow, well, that was certainly not English. A 180, uh, no, 360 straight over the top. <laughs> that was incredible there. We see replay of Fraser flying. Talk about a vertical leap there. And the landing wasn't smart. But like I said, he is a really talented guy. He throws Shah in. Trying to finish now. Looking to springboard. Cross body, but get Samuels. Sit out. Two. No. Oh, Fraser managing to keep himself in this match. <laughs> For now, at least. Well, Shah gave his best shot. Could put Fraser down and now going to try. Just hook. No, Fraser fighting it. Going between the legs. Roll up on Samuels. One, two. No. Oh, Big and powerful manager to kick out. Ah. Grabs the boot of Fraser, but Nathan just too quick. Springboard turns it into a 
just elbow driven to the chest. Well, this man is quick. Goes up top, frog splash. This might be it. One, two, three. Yeah, job done there, Nathan Fraser. Quick, wow. quick as a hiccup. Dan, what are your thoughts on that? Wasn't expecting Fraser to get the victory. To be <laughs> honest with you, uh, I think them braces do hold a superpower. <laughs> And when Shah Samuels is not with his braces, he gets beaten. Well, not about Dar as well, but what are your thoughts on Nate Fraser? Are you impressed by what he was doing? I mean, obviously we love Shah Samuels, but this wasn't a bad outing for the young man, was it? Um, no, very, very impressive, man. We didn't really get to see much of his talent showcase because I think for the majority of the match, he was on the uh, receiving end of a beatdown. Uh, but when he was troll, flying off the top with that lovely frog splash, Getting a victory over Shah Samuels. I mean, uh, Cassius Ono-esque. I said it during the match. But the thing is with Shah, he's, he's so over as a heel. He'll just brush this off and continue. Uh, so we go backstage and uh, Danny, Danny Luna runs into Ginny and Joseph Connors. Flash Morgan Webster finds Luna in time and they leave. Ginny and Connors want a match with Luna and Webster. Well, backstage, Noam Dar is not happy from ringside. He wants to settle things with Nathan Frazier. Well, up next, we get Ashton Smith versus Tierman. Well, Tierman hits a series of nasty chops for a two count. Two. Smith plants two shoulder tackles. Two. Smith continues with a gut wrench suplex for another near fall, then hoists Tierman up, and then he escapes from the side and locks in a cross face. Smith tries to hold on, but the pain in his shoulder intensifies. Smith then taps out. So, Tierman picks up the submission victory. Yeah, well, for so Smith was okay, but he's got a very slim frame, which I always remember JR in Beyond the Mat saying to the guy, going, you don't need work on your body, kid. Like that. And I just got that vision in my head. But Tierman grown on me, working on the arm, very similar to Andre, Andrade in that kind of style. And even look, maybe a little bit, like a European CN. So, so uh, I'm, I'm sorry, who? Andrade Adelo El Halado, wherever he's called now in AEW, but... We talk about that at different times. Good, good stuff. And Tierman put Ashley Smith in another crossface, but Oliver Carter runs out to defend Smith. Of course, he's his tag team partner. Backstage, we see Ir Dragunov, and he's ready to face Noam Dar next week. He wants to prove that he's changed, but he will bring the violence if need be. Well, Jack Stars is sitting to talk to someone on the phone. He gets off it and sees Pretty Deadly. Pretty Deadly want to show off their new NXT UK tag team title side plates. They also taunt Stars, but he's sick and tired of their cockiness. He wants to match Pretty Deadly, say they're wrestling, but he first needs to find a partner. Up next, a newly revived Kenny Williams returns to action. Yeah, he's taken on Andy Wilde. Uh, Kenny Williams stays on top of Andy Wilde throughout the match. William rakes the eyes, but created more of an advantage to punish him with several nasty kicks to the hamstring. He looks for the cover and Wilde managing to kick out. Uh-huh. Williams continues to focus on Wilde's injured leg. Wilde rocks Williams with two big strikes and a belly-to-belly suplex. Cover. Williams fights out and Wilde can't get a German suplex. Williams hits a mule kick and sends Wilde out of his misery with a wicked DDT. So, Kenny Williams is your winner. New look, Kenny. Andy Wilde, yes, he was furious after losing. Uh, Wilde, a slightly husky fellow, a la Trent Seven. A la James Trent Seven. But how far can Kenny go with a new package, Dan? That is a question. The clean shaven, changing it up now, short pants. What do you think? Is he somewhere to look for the Heritage Cup next? Well, you know, uh, a haircut and a change of appearance can do a man a lot of wonders, James. <laughs> so uh, maybe he can reach out and grasp everything he's been looking for. You yogurt. 
I'm just saying that because Sam Gradwell's in the main event. But in uh, two weeks' time, Miko Setmore and Kaylee Ray will square off in a highly anticipated rematch for the NXUK Women's Championship. And of course, we'll bring that on the next NXUK we do next month. So again, Dan, how huge is that for next month, eh? Kaylee Ray versus Miko Satamora. Absolutely huge, and it is for the NXT Women's Champion. Yes. So now it's time for the main event. It is Trent Seven versus Sam Gradwell. And Sam Gradwell, I've been telling. How long have I been telling you about Sam Gradwell for, Dan? You've been calling me a yogurt for ages, James. Well, he's brilliant. He is brilliant. And you talk about main roster ready. Gradwell is that. I mean, look at him, Dan. Look how impressive this man is. You see, with the physique. Coming out here in the mohawk. He could be, he's tight and ripped, as you would say. <laughs> and uh, he's ready for action here. Against the guy I know, love. I love Trent Seven, don't get me wrong. But Gradwell is a man, and he's calling me yogurt. And I'll tell you why he's upset with him in a minute. Well, he's not the first one to me of a member of the young ones. <laughs> Especially with that denim jacket. I mean, if he had a couple of stars on his head... <laughs> Fucking hell. So uh, the thing is, is that how long do you think Sam Gradwell has been in the next UK? And it's a bit of a leading question. Two years. So we count Trent Seven as a founding father, yeah? Indeed. Indeed. Well, Gradwell signed the exact same day as he did during him. And Gradwell suffered an injury. You see the brace over the left knee? That kept him out of action for nearly a year. And he's made his turn. He feels like he's not getting the respect that he deserves because he's a founding father, much like Seven. Whereas Trent Seven, of course, is coming off a loss, a huge devastating loss uh, against Jordan Devlin for the Cruiserweight Championship. He even lost weight to beat that weight and still couldn't get the job done. So we talked about Tyler Bate in the last episode. Trent Seven needs a victory because of this. And Gradwell wants to win. What are your thoughts on that? Um, I think Trent Seven has taken far too many knockbacks in his career. You know, I don't know how much more he can take. And especially someone who's always in the corner of his friend, and his friend seems to be absent for this time being. Is that maybe a things of like, you know, is Trent Seven giving more to this tag team partnership with Tyler Bate than Tyler Bate's giving to him? I just think, does Trent Seven deserve the respect that Tyler Bate gets? You know, is Seven, you know, is he on the level of a Dunn or a, or a Bate, you know, or someone like Sam Gradwell has been around, when does he deserve his opportunity? Is he keeping opportunities away from other people? Uh, well, you know, everyone is certainly due an opportunity and in NXT UK, I think everyone gets a chance to have their opportunity if they so request it. So I think, you know, this is a kind of a good match between these two guys. Both think they deserve a bit more recognition. Both feel that, you know, they can go that one step beyond where they go. So why not face off against each other? Why not see who the man is? Why not see who the next big thing is. Can I say something crazy? Don't slate me for this, but would NXT UK be wrong using something like rankings? If it's like, Especially when it's like this, with the people that we've seen. Look at Shah Samuels, look at Fraser, look at Gradwell, look at Seven. Would these be like heavyweight contention? Would they be Heritage Cup? And where would they be? Even if it's like a top 10 of wrestlers, I think that would that make more sense? Well, no, because they only rely on rankings when it suits them. Sometimes ranking means everything. Sometimes ranking means absolutely diddly squat. It just depends on the circumstance. It depends on the person. And that's why I think AEW have kind of drift away from it from time to time, but then come back to it so you don't forget about it. You know, it's, it's something there that suits them. And I don't think they should bring in something for the purposes of, you know, using it 
just for when it suits them and when they want to. I suppose so, but it's been interesting with Gradwell. I mean, like, does he deserve an opportunity? Like I said, the thing with NXT UK and and the the treat of it being an hour as well and not kind of oversaturating the champions, is you get these feuds. You know, we talked about Kenny Williams having his feud uh, and, you know, Amir Jordan having to leave NXT UK to start again. Gradwell now here having his problems with that. Dar and Shah in a feud with kind of Fraser at the moment. The stuff that went on with Bait and Akid, you know, there's all chance for people to have, you know what I mean? Rivalries with each other, but should it mean something? Like you said, if he wins this, should he go up the rank or what opportunity should he have? You know, like, well, you know, I think he should. <clears throat> if someone else is kind of like on a bit of a hot run, you know, then Sam Gradwell's going to obviously have to go against them to see who the top dog out of them two is. And then when it kind of gets to a certain point where there is only one next logical opponent, for, say, you know, Sam Gradwell or Trent Seven, if whoever wins. Can go as high as they can. Then they have to go against Walter for the NXT UK Championship. Well, that's what I'm saying. At the moment, you know, you look at Joe Coffey, you look at Rampage Brown, they're going to have their big match. You would argue that whoever wins that or whoever wins the feud after that would have to face him again. But Gradwell's never lost to Walter, but he's never faced him. He came up short against Ayo Dragunov, but that's only because he unleashed the beast. And now, again, it's like Gradwell trying to build himself up by beating a guy who, you know, if he beats him, it's a quite a big victory again. It is, yeah, you know, especially with someone who's uh, got the ability that Trent Seven has. Um, but, you know, what's next for Sam Grabbell after this? Will he go against Tyler Bate? I mean, you know, Tyler Bate, he's on a bit of a hot run. He's just won the Heritage Cup. Why doesn't he deserve another shot? No, that's an excellent, exactly. But isn't that the good thing about NXT UK as well, though? Like, they can, you know, all have opportunities. And we've seen a lot of talent and a lot... It's all good. It's not bad, is it? So know? who has got Walter in their crosshairs at the moment? Who is in the next champion, or is this what we're hoping to find out through these episodes of NXT UK? Well, the thing is, at the moment, Joe Coffey and Rampage Brown, they face each other once, Brown's come out on top once. So whatever happens in this matchup, you would assume if Brown wins, he'd face Walter. But like I said, he's come up short against him at prelude. Coffey's come up short against him as well. So then if you're looking at challenges, I Dragunov. But again, the reason why Dragunov is on the run he is at the moment is due to what Vaulted did to him. He, this, he mentored the equivalent of throwing him out of a car. And that's why that story is so interesting. And it's crazy that someone like Noam Dar would get in Dragunov's face and ask for that problem. But Gradwell did it. And when Gradwell slapped him in that match, he knew he did wrong. So Gradwell's a guy who's intelligent. And he knows who he's picking. So he's picked seven now because he thinks he's a beatable target. Because he bit off more than he could chew with Aya. And now he's gone back down the border, so to speak. And that's, you know, that's, I think that's how it should be. You know, he respects the people that are above him, the people that come before him. So he's like, right, I can't get to that pinnacle. So I'm going to work my way back up. Trent Seven, if you can get a bit of momentum against Trent Seven, then, you know, I get to move up to uh Tyler Bate who's on a bit of a run or maybe a kid who's done well with the Heritage Cup um but if he doesn't beat Trent Seven then he's gonna have to go down even lower in the pecking order who's he gonna go against I mean Stars and people are at next isn't it you know so that's the guy but even Jack Stars he's got a NXT tag team title opportunity if he finds the right partner so this is the thing where you know if if you pick up a few wins like with Jack Stars it was Piper Niven getting behind him and giving him the right words a bit like Seven was doing to Bate and it now looks like Seven's maybe trying to turn this match around. It's been all Gradwell for the majority of it, but Seven then flying. And you get a bit surprised by a guy. He looks, he paints himself as an old man, really, doesn't he, Trent Seven? You see him flying around. You he think... does. I think he even dyes his hair grey. I think he's actually a brunette. <laughs> well, he's going up now, risking it all.
Oh, oh. <laughs> well, it wasn't pretty, but it would have been effective had he hit it. But Sam Gradwell spotted it coming a mile off and managed to move out the way. And you can see now the vision of Gradwell checking that leg. I think Mustache Mountain should gain a new member, Sean Waltman. There could be six, seven, eight. Do you know what? That's quite funny. What's not funny is Trent Seven in serious trouble with his submission in the middle of the ring. Just damaged that leg coming off the top. Seven, though, using all of the experience to turn him round. For a bit closer to the ropes, but choosing to chop his way out and going for that knee brace. Helping it, you know, help him get some more leverage on that knee. Well, certainly in a lot of pain here. Well, that's the weak spot. You talk about weak mentally for Gradwell. It's the, that's the one he, thing he worries about with his leg and missing that much action. And you know about injuries, Dan. If you get one and they accumulate, you can miss two or three. Look at um, Tegan Knox with the torn ACLs, missing three years of action because of this. This is what Seven is targeting right now. Well, absolutely. You know, when needs must, you've got to kind of focus on someone's weak point. And if you know it, and then if he's got a bandage around it, you're not going to miss the thing. Well, this is saying, but Gradwell has got the power, and he just needs to try and maybe get things back together. The huge forearm shot to seven. Yeah, drops him off the apron. Now Gradwell's going to go and follow him to the outside. He does look mean, but I just hate that mohawk thing. I think it looks absolutely ridiculous. That's what I quite like about it, that he has got... It does look a bit cheap with that. No, I, I think it looks silly. You think more serious if it was cut? A, if it was a wider one... Or if it, you know, if he was a skinhead or something, it'd probably be better. But it's just such a pathetic, weedy little... It's like bloody Ronaldo's fringe thing. Remember that? <laughs> you know, it's like not even a moment. But he is, like I said, he has got that look, hasn't he? He, he does certainly look... has got that look, but he looks a bit like Carlo O'Reilly's uh, long-lost twin brother. Oh, don't say it. I think he's twice the size. Maybe I'm just... Like in the face. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You don't. I'm trying to visualise not now, but I was there with Gradwell... He's still a big man as he's risking it, though. He went to the outside, diving off the apron there, dangerous. No well, Gradwell, O'Reilly and Thatcher. They could uh, create the handsome trio. Well, he's trying to rearrange Seven's look, but Trent's not having any of it. Cause they're fighting off the top now. Look for a superplex, but Gradwell fighting him off. Both he's... men perched on the second rope. <laughs> well, Gradwell <laughs> looks to throw Trent Seven to the outside. I've never seen that before in my life. <laughs> well, Gradwell doesn't care. Seven manages to survive it. It's caught with a chop. That was across the neck. You can see the red marks as well. All over Gradwell's body. And now Seven now looking for a superplex. Trent Seven immediately into a cover. Two. No. Gradwell managing to kick out. Uh-huh. I don't think we see that enough. Good positioning. It's so weird. I- I've moaned about this before. Well, you know, like you powerbomb someone halfway across the ring. Well, how's that going to help a pinfall? Yeah. You know, it's like keep them close. We saw that with the suplex there, nice and tucked in. So then Seven could literally just strip into the cover. That's it, yeah. They go for effectiveness over flamboyance. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, Brock Lesnar's thrown you across the ring and outside it, but you've got time to recover while, you, while Brock Lesnar's sweating one out. The whole point is for you to win the match, you know. Like, you want to try and pin him, and that Chester Gradwell's in serious trouble. I think it's that's you know that part of the beauty of it as well. It's like the the suplex and the float over. It's kind of all one synchronized move. That doubt, and now maybe looking for the ripcord. Ripcord, Larrier, but Gradwell intelligently grasping hold of the top rope. Oh. Ripcord forearm of his own. Looked like it knocked some of Trent Seven's teeth out, but thankfully it was only his gum and oh. not his gums. Oh, seven is out. That's it. Two. Three. No. No. Two and a half. Two. 
Gradwell looks like he's needed to tears. He can't believe it. Don't be such a yogurt. Referee not counting, and now he's picking up Trent on his shoulders, but... Elbow to the jaw. Oh, and Seven put his head in a bit of trouble. And those elbows came down from Gradwell. Elbow in the jaw of Trent. Oh, <laughs> oh a huge forearm to the back of the head. Gradwell's got Seven up. And he puts him down. But he's managing to kick out. <laughs> now both men down. Gradwell wondering, what's it going to take? He thought Trent Seven was the easy target. And now this man is a bit tougher than he seems. Well, he's tougher than a $2 stake, James. You know this about Trent Seven. But look at Gradwell. You can see he's taking it to the He's not right either. He's not happy. He's blaming everybody else. Now the big man going up. Let's see what he can do off the top. Oh, Looking for a splash, but goes into two boots. Straight into the ripcord clothesline. Into a cover. Two. No. Well, Gradwell managing to get the shoulder up at two. Two. And Trent Seven can't believe it now. He's the man exasperated. And Gradwell might be breathing through the mouth. You see they're arguing over the founding father state. And both men just with slaps and chops. And now Seven got him up. Burning hammer into the One, cover. Two, three. Trent Seven gets the victory. Dan. I like that. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I'm, I would have been happy with whoever won it, to be honest with you. I think both men put up a hell of a fight. Um, I think Trent Seven certainly does have the right to be called the founding father. But Sam Gradwell there, very impressive, I think. I mean, I told you I liked him. I mean, what do you think? You're probably going to hate him. I think he's a... Com- no, uh, aside from silly haircut, I think he's a certainly good performer. Definitely got a lot of potential. Um, what does he need to jump up to the next level, though? I think he needs to kind of crisp up his... Uh, his finesse a bit in the ring. Um, I think, you know, he's got a little bit of work to do, but that's why he's in it. Certainly a man that can go a long way. Well, the thing he's going to find himself is Sam Gradwell is that he's a lot bigger than most of the people in NXT UK. And if then you need to wrestle a bit more like Charles Samuels does. You know, he wrestles like a big man and it's not maybe going up to the top every now and again. And maybe this just shows a bit of experience from Sam Gradwell. You know, he thought it was an easy target with seven and seven proving there's a little bit left in him. Like, like I said, this can continue now for a feud and even if uh, Gradwell comes out on top of this, it gives them both something to do as NXT UK kind of continues as well, doesn't it? You know, Absolutely, yeah. And both men definitely be around the, t- the NXT UK division. Uh, I doubt. So we move on to our next episode. It's June 3rd. Yes, Andy Shepard and Nigel McGuinness were the broadcast team. Ear Dragunov made his entrance to kick off this week's NXT UK. Noam Dar entered the BT Sports studio. Then we're going to start off our first match. It's our Dragon off versus Nam Darwin. Dan, boy, I'll be wanting to show you I have quite some time. So for Dan, and I'll say it again, Nam Dar is either the bravest man in, in the entire WWE, nay, professional wrestling, or the stupidest man. He's going against a man, if you slap him accidentally on the back in any way, he will snap. And when he says someone lives rent free in their head, Volta is there. Ayo is ready. That's all he's seen. What do you think of Noam Dar? <laughs> um, well, he's either incredibly smart or incredibly stupid. I think the next five to ten minutes will probably determine that. Um, does Noam Dar have a trick up his sleeve? I mean, you know, he's already kind of got to watch his back from uh, what happens 
in uh, Shah Samuel's match. Well, the thing is, Shah Samuel's is not here. So that is very interesting. That's already maybe an advantage to I. But, I mean, you've seen Jagannath before, Dan. Have you ever seen a man as focused as this here? I mean, Aya is just laser-focused on the target in front of him. I don't think I have, but, you know, I've mentioned recently that I've been going to the gym. I think here, Dragunov is kind of where I want to end up physically. <laughs> well, Dragunov is in incredible shape, but the problem is, mentally, Dan, he's shot to bits, and this has been the story of what the destruction of that match can do. I mean, it was brutal for Aya. I mean, honestly, it was a, it was a war for him that he hasn't fully recovered from, and... This is all he sees in this matchup. He said he's trying not to be that man, but he can't help it. He broke Dave Mastiff's nose in a matchup. Dave Mastiff, Dan, you know how big that guy is. And I just twatted him. Like, you know, it was. <laughs> the referee called for the bell. It was job done. And now Dar thinks he can go in and what? Maybe out wrestle him? There's no doubt Dar, you know, huge talent. And like I said, he's not. You know, he doesn't care who rates him. Well, I think with Noam Dar, it's about to tough his words. I mean, he's always talked a mean game, but Ar Dragunov, if, if Noam Dar was to get the victory over Ar Dragunov, would it not be more than a shock? Would Ar Dragunov that not propel um, Noam Dar to Volta status? Well, I think without a doubt, you know, you talk about who uh, is going to be next to challenge Volta. The fact is, is that, like we said, we've got coffee. Versus Brown in our main event. And these are another two guys. And Dahl's been picking up victories. Pick, beating Nathan Fraser. You know, that's true for him. Have a momentum on his side now. And like I said, if he beats Zaya, you'd be very hard-pressed. Again, maybe Dahl has got the secret. If he can go in the lion's den against Zaya Dragunov, then who's betting against going against Volta and beating the man that's held a top for 700 days, you know? Exactly. I mean, if you can... <laughs> Beat someone as unpredictable as Ia Dragunov. It's certainly perfect training to step into the ring with Volta. Well, it's unbelievable. There's no doubt, like I said, Dart is a great talent. He's trying to keep it short and sweet at this moment. Ia Dragunov, though, he's got Noam Dar a bit tied up at the moment. But it's a thing WWE get accused of, but it's happening in NXT, you know, especially NXT UK. Look at long-term storytelling and things like this. I know we haven't had a takeover, but it was October of last year this happened to Aya. And we're getting it, you know, we're in June now. And you can see the effects in May and June that it's still having on him. It's a great, it, for me, it's my favourite story at this moment. Well, again, it's something that instead of being able to capitalise on straight away building it, which I think in some cases it makes for a better story overall. Um, you know, they're obviously waiting to capitalise on a takeover event or something on a bigger stage. But for these two guys, I think keeping it as it is, you know, you can see it, and then when it finally does come to the end of these two feud, it is going to come off big time, and it is going to be a huge payout. Well, without a doubt, you can see what was happening there. But the thing with Dart, you know, you had a few via earlier, and the thing is, it's like finding an old bomb. You know, and you go, oh, an old bomb, oh, okay, and then you start hitting it, and you go, well, you know what's going to happen in a minute if you keep provoking it. It's like it's going to go off, and there's nothing you can do about it. Oh, wow. Yeah, Dragunov, though, he kind of done a 619 through the ropes and just immediately dropped to the mat. Dars capitalised on this, knocked him to the outside, straight to the floor. Well, maybe they can do the unthinkable here in NXT UK. We've seen a couple of what maybe you consider upset victories these past couple of weeks. And this is the thing, anybody can beat anybody in NXT UK. As Dan sees the replay there, how bad was it? Well, I don't know. It looked like he twisted his knee. He could have done some ligament damage. But we've always talked about that, haven't we? You know, in a, in a 
in a company like this, NXT UK, anybody could legitimately beat anybody, obviously apart from the champions. But the champions in NXT UK, kind of, you talk about you know, Mount Rushmore, if you have American parlance to it, Kaylee Ray and Walter would be up there, wouldn't they, on that? Absolutely. <laughs> on there. But again, I think this is like, you know, it's not NXT UK purposely keeping the titles on these two wrestlers. I think they're choosing the better time to capitalise on it, you know, with NXT UK, whether it's where it's relatively new and relatively young, it can kind of tread water. The fans are still getting an amazing product. I mean, the matches that we've seen, you know, they've got the Heritage Cup changing hands as well. So, you know, we've got something to yeah. get invested in. We've got like, you know, a number one contender crown. So, you know, we've we've got that to look forward to as well. So they're waiting for the fan base to kind of come back so more people can enjoy the moment as opposed to, you know, just a select few behind closed doors. Yeah, I'm just glad there's someone who's actually, do you know what I mean? He's, of course, you speak, speak to people on Twitter, but to actually watch it, and then, you know, it is such an enjoyable product as well, that the, the fact is, like, this is what's good about it. And people go, oh, WWE, well, this is under the WWE umbrella, and it's good shit. And if people aren't paying attention to it, it's their fault, so to speak. You know, there's a lot of other options to watch. If you're bored of Raw or SmackDown, you know, watch something like this. And I never thought Dar would be in control. Look how confident he is right now. Is this kind of the best that Rev Pro could have hoped for? In what way? Well, in you know, Rev like you know, well Rev Pro kind of led these guys up. Rev you know, the amount of these people that have been wrestled under the Rev Pro banner, it's like, well, fuck me, if all these wrestlers are coming through, why not check out Rev Pro? Catch them before they're big. Well, this is a thing, but Rev Pro champion right now is Bill Ospreay, who was just recently IWGP World Champion, so there's eyeballs on it. But the product itself, it has got quite big, so they're doing events in London where the touring's coming back. Like I said, check them out. But I'd say, anyway, even if it's just local wrestling that hopefully is going to start again soon, go and see, because it might just be one guy, and you don't know, and then you can follow that guy throughout his career. Do you know what I mean? It's like, no, I'm dull. We saw him at that time. We're like, okay, let's just see what he does. You know, with Dar's incredible, the Raw, SmackDown, 205 Live, of course, one of the originals there as well, on NXT and NXT UK. He's been there and done that and still feels fresh as well. Absolutely, and he's still got his whole career ahead of him. Man, <laughs> <laughs> I now trying to grab that leg, and the kicks by Dar have been on point today, but maybe you think he's calculating where to strike him. To the chest, but here, Dragunov Jesus. just drops the elbow straight to the nose of Dar. Well, I is like a battering ram, and like I said, people are like Dave Mastiff, and even against Volta, I mean, no one, and not even Pete Dunne, took Volta to the limit uh, like Aya Dragunov did do, and now the nice German suplex keep connecting. I mean, he's not the biggest guy, but it's just the, I think he's got, both of these guys got energy and personality about them. And Absolutely, it, and it's, it, yeah, it's kind of that side of him that, you know, you know that he would be capable of doing these kind of things. You know, Eddie Guerrero s stuff. He's a kind of similar build to him, and we legitimately believed when he beat Brock Lesnar. Yes, yeah, I would completely agree with that, and that's what it is. And it's the hint of realism. I think it's what NXT UK kind of bring to it as well, because it's not kind of crazy shit, but it's just technically sound as well. And I think it's because of the the British stamp on the product. I think gives it that. And I mean, look at this now. I was with the, the elbows to the face of Dar. Does Dragunov snap now? No, not yet. He's not you, this, you will, is, no. this is not. <laughs> this is pre-snap Dragunov. Yeah. <coughs> this is annoyed Dragunov. Look at the power of that picking up Dar. Throwing him 
Dar looked like he'd been ejected from a moving automobile. Well, and Dar is in serious trouble. And I, he did that with one leg. Imagine what he could do with two. But that knee looks like it's blown out. Can Dragunov fight through the pain? Does he need to snap to get the victory over Noam Dar? Well, credit to Dar going head to head. Not backing down at all in this one. Not looking for an easy way out either. Nice combination. Yeah, Dragunov responding in kind though. And uh, just chops and kicks. Oh, huge chop from Dragunov, but everything gets a response from the other. Oh, Matrix star from Dragunov responds with a step up in Seguri. It's just a shame there's not a crowd there to stand on their feet and clap. You know, that is the only problem at this moment in time with these two guys. And it like, it's, it's just so good. And uh, I can't talk it up. It's like a takeover. Do you know what I mean? The rest in itself is such a high standard. It has to be kind of seen... To believe. It just feels like I'm chatting shit otherwise, you know what I mean? Absolutely, yeah. You know, it's it may seem like we're being biased, being British, I don't know it. But it's certainly not worth sleeping on. No, without a doubt as Dar fights out. The six one nine this time he manages to connect with a discus lariat. Gets across to the cover to No. Well Dar somehow managing to kick out. Uh-huh. And I think it might be because I didn't hook the leg. But like I said, this is not the uh, psychotic eye just yet. And that might help Dar. And we might be better off, Dan. A bit like, you know, Bruce <laughs> or the Hulk sometimes. We just need to, you know, let's not make him angry. And let's just have a nice little match. And we can move on. The sun's set. The sun is setting, big guy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, just. But then um, what if Dragunov can't get angry? What if, like, you know, the big guy doesn't want to come out to play? Well, that is another question that I don't think he he thinks yet. I don't think he can control it at the moment as he misses the top. Double the shot. Oh, Noam Dar so close to getting the victory, but turns it straight into the knee bar. And we've seen him win with the knee bar before. And I've got nowhere to go. Yeah, he's tough, but sometimes you might have to think about fighting another day. So how do we know when Dragunov has snapped? Oh, because it looks like he's snapped now. No, you'll know. You will know, Dan. I, I, I kid you not. I, I want <laughs> to... I can't tell you, he looked like he snapped just then when he was hammer-fisting his face. Look, I he... mean, if that's not a man <laughs> snapping, what the fuck is? <laughs> I've said, this is why it's my favourite. As I am uh, trying to get his knee up. Knees up, Mother Brown. He's in serious trouble. Dar might see it exposed. Oh. oh, just a straight punt to the knee. And now this might be over. For the supernova. <laughs> Huge kick to the chest. Firing it up to the thigh, the chest. You can fall out of a punch. I mean, you said Dragunov's match with Mastiff had to get stopped. What about if Noam Dar had to get stopped in this match with Dragunov? Well, I'm so impressed by Dar in this one. He's bringing the fight. He's believing what he puts out. And you can't ask for more at this moment in time. He's trying to lure the oh, beast oh, out. I mean, he's starting to piss him off now. You don't... Yeah, this is dangerous territory. You don't want to slap him. Uh oh. <laughs> is that it now? Is this uh, it? Uh oh. No. No, Dar. He's not brought him out, has he? <laughs> oh, shit. Don't do it. No, I think. Oh, both men slap each other down. And what an exchange that was. Uh oh. Oh, he's up. <laughs> <laughs> he snapped, yeah? He's just picking him up. No. Slams him down. And Smashing the knee to the temple. <laughs> the slam inside out one two no still not enough to dar down or oh, credit to dar 
Have you seen what is it? It's not Unbreakable. What's the other one in that series? Mr. Glass, Unbreakable. The one where he plays all them characters. Have you not seen that series no. of films? You well, should watch them. <laughs> different personalities as he runs into an elbow. And Eldar might be looking to finish things. Oh, <laughs> Dragonov. Was that a headbutt? Straight to the jaw. <laughs> Two, three. <laughs> Fucking hell. Well, I doesn't care. He uses himself as a weapon. I tell you what, I'd love to see that go up against the Claymore. <laughs> it would be like, boom, an explosion. I mean, like that, go, headbutting Drew McIntyre, the man who delivers the Glasgow Kess. Dan, what did you think? I don't think Dan knows where he is. What did you think of that destruction? <laughs> I thought that was absolutely brilliant. And Noam Dar absolutely played his part perfectly. The antagonist Hill going, you know, far enough to bring that out in Dragunov to make him snap to take that punishment as well and even still try after Dragunov has snapped to give everything he had and come so close but Dragunov yeah certainly deserves a victory and I'm definitely digging the Dragunov character well and you know it's a great great match and I I just needs to calm down and move on now because he's made his point to Dar and Noam could just go to fight another day but there's no doubt that that man Maybe next in line. And Dan, this would be a main event anywhere else on any other program. But this is just the start of the show. <laughs> it's just, just crazy as well when you think about it. But <laughs> I uh, shout at Dar as we will continue. Yes, hello and welcome to NXT UK. <laughs> um, follow that, fuckers. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. Well, we get a vignette aired for Ether Valkyrie. Tyre Valkyrie? No, Tyre, no. But Valkyries, it's weird that they're using the Valkyrie for Aoife Valkyrie here, who's uh, an Irish superstar, and they have just sound, assigned Ty a Valkyrie to NXT, and they're calling her uh, Frankie Monet. So maybe if they just waited, they could have just used the name that she had. Right. Yeah? Well, Sid Scala <laughs> greeted Jordan Devlin back at the door of the BT Sports studio. Devlin demanded his own dressing room, a private parking spot, an appearance of Supernova Sessions, and then he left. Yeah, I mean, the thing is about it is that Devlin looks like a star now after he had this moment against Santos Espart takeover, coming back demanding that. And is it interesting, Dan, we talked about the glue that holds NXT UK together. He's asking to be on the Supernova Sessions uh, to make a statement. And, of course, Dar, you know, it's a pretty big deal. So Noam Dar, bless him, he's just been beating the fuck out of Bodragonov and some fucker comes up, he's like, yeah, I want to meet him with him. Well, up next, Pretty Deadly made their entrance whilst we saw a recap of the altercation with Jack Stars last week. Stars made his entrance and introduced his mystery tag team partner, Nathan Fraser. So we're going to get a tag team match right now. Yes, NXT UK tag team champions, Pretty Deadly, going against Jack Stars and Nathan Fraser. Deadly made a major miscalculation in assuming Jack Stars wouldn't be able to find a suitable partner as Nathan Fraser joined him to take on the NXT UK tag team champions. Stars and Fraser nearly pulled off the title winning upset. But Sam Stoker and Lewis Howley's superior chemistry won out and well-timed tagged unseen by stars led to spilt milk for the victory. Yeah, I mean, Fraser should be careful. He overshot a dive to the outside. We talked about high-flying. Maybe need to tone it down a little bit. But stars is a classic babyface. Of course, you'll know Jack Stars, Dan, because the handprint of Vault is still on his chest from when he chopped him two fucking years ago, you know? <laughs> or when they have a look yes. at four, four fucking years ago. You can still see, like, his fingerprints on the back of um, But who will step up to Pretty Deadly? Will it be maybe subculture? You know, Flash Morgan, Webster, 
And uh, Mandrews, you know, uh, Gallus, of course. Mustache Mountain. Mustache Mountain could always have a chance. So that's the tag teams. I think we'll explore that next month as well and have a look and see who's there uh, to go about. But it was a good match. We see a vignette aired of Tyler Bate playing with nunchucks while wearing blindfold and boasting of his Heritage Cup Championship win. You've got to go careful. You could lose a bollock that way, Dan. We all know that. <laughs> Absolutely. That's from a personal experience, I understand, James. Well, Flash Webster Morgan made his entrance and Joseph Connor's entrance was also shown. Yeah, into our match and uh, Co- Joseph Connor's alliance for the fashionista who once again paid dividends. Like Flash Morgan Webster, Connor's on his heels thanks to several high-risk manoeuvres. Ginny made her presence felt throwing Webster's helmet to Connor's. You know you've got to be careful with his helmet, Dan. Though the official confiscated the helmet, we find enough of the disruption for Ginny to shove Webster off the top rope. Connor's capitalised with a devastating nap breaker full of wind and fled before the rest of the subculture arrived. Wow, so your thoughts on that, James? Well, there was some nice chain wrestling in this matchup, but Connor's doing his best regal impersonation. The the hand behind the back gives it away, you know, when you're trying to do it. Be you, don't be another regal, you know? Absolutely, yeah. So you think he's trying to be a regal when he should just be a Connor's? Yeah, and this was a really good match, you know. Both men like talk about gave everything on show here. So if he's got a bit of talent, just and his look as well, like you see, we saw at ringside for the, the match, it's just a bit bland you know absolutely james but a hype package air james and i am the hypest of hypes for this hype package (laughs) it is volta announcing his return next week well yes and like i said next week is going to be a huge show because of the of the nxt uk champion well dan you got a smile on your face are you happy that volta returns next week absolutely looking forward to seeing the big man back and seeing what he's got to say seeing who Seeing who's going to be brave enough to step up to the man who could chop you so hard, your great grandkids would feel it. Well, I doubt a lot we talk about next month's NXT UK. We're going to have Volta returning, and we're going to also have uh, the Women's Championship match between Kaylee Ray and Miko Satamore. We saw a promo for that now uh, as we head towards our main event. Yes, Rampage Brown made his entrance. Joe Coffey entered with Mark Coffey. And Wolfgang, but he sent his Gallus mates to the back saying he wants to do this on his own. Yeah, so we get the main event, Brown versus Coffee. And of course, three months ago, Joe Coffee and Rampage Brown absolutely batted each other. And this collision may have been even more physical, Dan. So we'll see how this main event plays out. So Rampage Brown, what does he bring to NXT UK? Well, I was going to ask you the same question because, of course, why do you know Rampage Brown and how do you know of him? Because he's a recent addition to NXT UK, been the past three, four months. And, uh, of course, when did you see him to begin with? Um, we saw him on the independent scene. Um, Rev Pro. And Rev Pro, exactly the same time as Charles Samuels. He might even teamed up. You know, both of these men were vying for the Rev Pro Championship. Colt Cabana actually lost it in one of the shows. Uh, I think to Shah Samuels because Rampage Brown was there as well. Uh, he scared the shit out of us because uh, quite intimidating man. Dad. What is it about him? Because in person he's a giant as well. Well, he's big. He's built like a superstar. He's uh, he's husky, but he's just toned with it as well. You know, he's he's not big through size. He's just big through muscle. Um, certainly a dominating presence and coming face to face with him, yeah. You wouldn't stand your chances, would you? Well, he wouldn't, but uh, Joe Coffey challenged him straight away when he debuted. And, of course, Rampage Brown getting the victory. But losing to that prelude may set you back. But, of course, uh, Joe Coffey's been around. And had has he had too many opportunities, Dan? Because he's been a challenger even when we watched it back in the day. 
Well, I don't know, you know, Joe Coffey, I think he can be credited with being a founding father, along with his brother and Wolfgang as well. You know, they was all around in the early days, maybe not getting on as well, but he's certainly got that superstar aura about him, and if his brother and Wolfgang are happy standing in the backgrounds while he gets all the shots. But I don't, if he's not going to win, then what's the point? And how's he going to be successful elsewhere? If he can't get the job done in the next UK, no offence, you know, but how's he going to get it done in the NXT on the main roster? Well, again, you can go somewhere and you can completely reinvent yourself and you can go from, you know, being like this that being like this here to being the babiest of baby faces in NXT and people will buy it. I don't like the coffee, <clears throat> not just because of the Gallus gimmick and what it means and all that kind of stuff. But I just think it can go around in circles. Like, they've been around for a while. If they're that dominant, let's move on. You know, like I said, Gallus had a tag team reign uh, befitting of, you know, like 400-day reign as well, during part, of course, uh, the time took off for COVID and such like. But I think Joe Coffey just coming up short. You know, like, Volta, he can't beat Volta. You know, Rampage Brown, give him another shot because that fight was pretty close. But for me, I've lost all confidence in him. Am I wrong, you know? Is it because he's green and white, James? I know, but I'm saying, is it because of... Why is it? Why do you like him? What are the reasons? But why do you think he can beat Volta, let alone... How do you think he can beat Brown, let alone the, the NXT UK champ? Well, I think the issue with Coffey is that he's he's not changed. You know, he has kind of been exactly the same yeah. as he has been since day one. You know, you've seen everyone else is like, you know, they've been knocked down, you've seen their depression, you've seen their fight to come back. Tyler Bate, for example, with the Heritage Cup. You've kind of seen him, you know, go down to his lowest and fight his way back. But you've not seen Coffey kind of like up there enough to be knocked down to come up again. You know, he's kind of always going down. He's always... Well, he's losses and it just comes back as anything's normal. <clears throat> not like anything changes. Him and Gallus were just, you know, they lost the tag team titles and they're fucking around playing with footballs outside. Well, that's why he's not kind of getting... The title. That's why he's not kind of, you know, progressing any further. And if they're playing football, no wonder they're coming second. You know, like, this is what we're seeing. But looks like Coffee's trying to take control of Brown on the outside. But, I mean, Rampage Brown, has he got the look for the main roster? Or is it just for NXT UK? Because, you know, we talk about Charles Samuels. They might just be there to to be nothing wrong with that, though. Well, no, there's, there's not a lot. You know, I'm sure this is kind of like a big gig to these guys. You know, I'm not saying, you know, they've set their ambitions low, but, you know, they're getting televised. They've got a lot of fans around the world. Um, a lot of pre- people appreciating their product, and I'm sure they're getting a steady paycheck each week. Well, I think that's the important thing, especially during this. You know, you talk about cuts elsewhere in WWE. At least it hasn't affected the ex-UK roster, which I think is pretty healthy at this moment in time. It's not overloaded, is it? But Do you, you think know. Do you think it's good that Vince McMahon doesn't have kind of like C&I over here? You know, like he's he's kind of like, oh, fire Molesby. And then like, you know, yeah, like that so. kind of out of touch bloke, like, you know, he can, Joe Coffey could go to Vince McMahon and he's like, yeah, I don't like that Joe Coffey. And, you know, he stood face to face with the man, don't know who he is. Yeah, I think that's the problem when it too many touches. Whoever's producing it at the moment is doing a really good job. Like I said, we've been, this is four weeks of television and it's kind of flown by as well, hasn't it? You know, and we've been told the stories, we've been set up. You know, the, the best thing is, is to get answers, but then also to get questions. We've got stuff to look forward to next month as well, you know? Absolutely, you know, we've kind of, we've we've got three or four wrestlers that we think could be vying for a shot at Walter, so what do we need? Well, Walter's coming back <laughs> next week, so he's going to have an announcement, someone's going to try and step up to him, 
maybe there might be three or four guys wanting to try and step up to Volta. Uh, you know, that result in the number one can four guys, I'm sure, will deserve it. Uh, as will the winner of this match, Ia Dragunov, Tyler Bate. You know, there could be a few names thrown into the hat there. Um, we've got the women's title match to look forward to as well. Miko Satamore against Kaylee Ray. Yeah, and it's, it's going to be good because also, like you said, when it comes to that, we're going to find out about the tag team division as well. Introduce you to pretty deadly. <laughs> it's going to be, it's going to be pretty deadly. I'm not going to lie, Dan. Right, you know my feelings <laughs> towards um, Breeze Ango. Yeah, yeah. Right, you know my feelings towards Enzo and Big Cass. Yeah. Right, where would it rank? Do you think it's going to be Enzo Big Cass level? I reckon. Oh, <laughs> I reckon shit. next 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 time we do NXT UK. It's going to be big, but like I said, it's not bigger than this main event right now as Brown just getting away from coffee. He's took control the past few minutes there. Well, I just hope it gets shadowed by Volta and Mitch. Well, like I said, it's going to be a big one next month, but it's been a big one this month as well with NXT UK. Well, two big horses and coffee is giving as good as he's getting. Well, there's no doubt. He's, he's not a bad worker, but you can't be considered a threat or if you just... You know what I mean? You keep losing the big one, whoever you're facing. And even if he beats Brown here tonight, that just levels the scores anyway. That was pretty impressive by Coffee. They're throwing Brown over his head like he was a sack of potatoes. Three potatoes. And a huge clothesline there. There's no no doubt Joe Coffee is built. But give me Sam Gradwell in this, this, this position. You know, give me someone, someone maybe a little bit different. What the fuck was that? Coffee using the second and the third. Well, that is... Uh, no, pretty impressive there. Well, you know, we've said he's getting stale. He's not changing man. things up, doing new things. Well, it wasn't that pretty. It wasn't pretty, but <laughs> it was quite effective. But again, if he doesn't get the victory, what's the point in bringing new stuff to the ring if it's not going to be effective? Well, he's exchanging. He thinks he can beat Brown one-on-one. Otherwise, of uh, told Gallus to go backstage, really. So he's obviously got confidence his own ability and now Joe Coffey with Brown in the corner Coffey picks him up <coughs> Brown with a huge headbutt though can Coffey hold on will Gallus realise that their brother in arms is in trouble and come out to the rescue I wonder when Wolfgang's going to get maybe a little bit bored of like I said sitting back waiting for an opportunity I mean of course he came up short against Rampage Brown but there's no doubt he put in a quick, pretty impressive performance shoulder block from the second rope from Brown very impressive from the big man Without a doubt, coming out there with a shot, looking for his opportunity now. What's wrong with Brown? Is it because of the hair? So if you pick the, t- if you had to pick between Brown and Coffee, I don't know. I just think like you know the way Brown fights, he seems kind of like robotic. <laughs> you know, like he's I don't know. <laughs> he doesn't seem fluid. He's fluid with those kicks in the midsection that Coffee kicks provide him. We're going to see him going top, second and top again. I mean, what's the point of that? No, I, I, yeah, coffee's not much better. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, coffee missed for days there. He might have hurt his knee in the process. And Brown be like a shark in the water. Brown misses with the clothesline. Coffee close, well, cross bodies him over the top rope. Both men tumble to the ground. Right, I might be a bit negative here because the thing is, right, and people go, oh, bone and shoe are ugly, it's two big guys. This is kind of British wrestling, maybe it's kind of what maybe people remember of British wrestling. Would that well, be like fair big to daddy say? Daddy against giant haystacks, yeah, kind of. I don't want to say, but like, kind of like bang, plodding, you know, oh, Mr. Kick, oh, headbutt, you know, that kind well, of. Well, I suppose if it was kind of. Uh... I know it's part of the history. Yeah. 
If you're looking at it from that way, it is two classic big men going against each other. Huge hosses. I mean, a big slugfest and that. And it looks like these two bulls are going to go charging towards each other. Meeting in the middle. Neither man backing down. Oh, as Brown sidesteps. Coffee nearly goes into the stairs. Oh, but Coffee using his intelligence and sending Brown into the other stairs. And they both men just collapse down. And yeah, I just had a vision of Big Daddy John Haystacks. But especially when they were banging into each other. You're thinking, oh, fucking hell. We've seen that loads of times. But it is it can be quite entertaining. It is a good throwback. Yeah, I suppose, you know, these are two athletic guys as well. It's not, you know... Well, I don't expect everybody to come off the top. I, I wish Coffee would stop fucking doing it. Oh, well, I'm glad he's not doing his springboard, and he's starting to look a bit like Pete Dunne. <laughs> That's the biggest compliment that uh, Joe Coffey's ever got. The drop kick. Now looking for the deadlift German, maybe. I think he was struggling with that lift. Uh, Brown had to help him out. <laughs> now Brown fighting with everything he's got. Well, a headbutt to the spine. That'll slow any big man down. A splash. We can't call it Stinger Splash now. French suplex, and now go for it. They've sued Germans and uh, Sting in the meantime. But to be fair to these two big men... Aye, big man. Aye, big man. Still in this one. That's what it is. Your dad watches you go, aye, they're big men. Aye, your dad yeah, watches no, He's that the son of Big Daddy and <laughs> son of Jane Haystacks there. <laughs> Joe <Jewel> Haystacks. <laughs> big Daddy Coffee. Yeah. <laughs> uh... Rampage Daddy doesn't sound right, so... Daddy Rampage. Daddy Rampage <laughs> sounds right, I suppose, but... Well, anyway, let's see. The coffee saying it's his time to go for the Lariat Suplex, but blocked by Brown. Well, Samoan drop. Was that an Arlo drop? Well, that's what I'm saying. There's so many when you think about it. And now Brown now going to look maybe for the Doctor Bomb and put Coffee away. Can he get him up? No. Coffee with a backslide hits a huge elbow to the back. And he certainly has been targeting that middle lower back. That's obviously part of the game plan as it goes again. Sends him back first into the turnbuckle. Brown not being cleared, knocked off his feet. But the clubbing blows keep coming down. And now Coffee might be looking for the lariat to finish things. Hits it. Straight into the cover. One, two, three. There you go. Joe Coffee beats Rampage Brown in the main event. Our very last match, Dan. What are your thoughts? Well, does that make things right? Because, I mean, like, you know, you was like, oh, yeah, Joe Coffey's always getting close, and that Rampage Brown's on a good little run. Joe Coffey gets... Joe Coffey gets victory. Does that mean Coffey's next in line, or now it's one all? Are we headed for a rubber match between the two? Well, again, you know, when Volta makes his appearance next week, both men could have a legitimate case of both wanting to go against him, as many others. I mean, it just throws a few more hats into the ring. Uh, just a shame that we ended on this match, if you know what I mean. Uh, don't get me wrong, like, I enjoyed this match as itself. It was good. Uh, but I think everything else we saw was just excellent, you know, especially the uh, Heritage Cup match. But obviously, I don't take words out your mouth. <laughs> oh, it, it has been an absolute masterclass of wrestling. And again, it leaves... I want to know what happens next week because in my head, I'm seeing a lot of legitimate competitors. Sam Gradwell, Shah Samuels. Um, Joe Coffey, even Rampage, you know, Trent Seven, a lot of people are on a good little run and they've all got legitimate cases to go against Walter. I'm hoping I'm going to see a multi-man, six guys in it. Wow, that would be quite a sudden moment. There's just two men in the ring and Brown knows it's not over with defeat, but Coffey got the victory. Looks like they may be planning for a third match in the future as well, which again would be great to see 
in NXT UK. I said both men are certainly respecting each other. And Joe Coffey says, look, 1-0, are we going to call it? That's nice to see, though, isn't it? You know, you don't usually see that. Well, I think that's, that, again, is something different about Britain. <laughs> it's like, look, do you want to take it to a third one? It's like that, there's a bit of respect, exactly. and it's like, no, fuck it, let's take it to the third. Yeah, come on, you want to go, let's go. Who thinks better? But like you said, it's... Oh. Oh. Well, you talk about Brown and Coffee wanting a match. I think this man is interested, like you said, to return in Volta next week as well. And what a triple threat match that would be. And I think I would be... I mean, he might be the smallest man, the smallest <laughs> dog in a fight, but... Well, it's not the size of the dog in a fight, James. It's the size of the fight in a dog. You know what I'm saying? Well, without a doubt. And this is interesting times now. Joe Coffey, Rampage Brown, uh, Dragunov, with Volta coming back next week. But, yeah, Dan, I mean... Final thoughts. What is your final thoughts on it's the UK this month? Can we watch next week now? <laughs> I mean, I just want to know what's happening. And I don't think I can wait for the month to catch up on NXT UK. And I don't think I've said that about a wrestling program in such a long time. I think NXT, when, um, you know, you had the amazing matches and the amazing takeovers going on then is when I was last looking forward to seeing the next episode, which is an absolute brilliant thing. And I think it sums it up well in the hour time that it's got. I think without doubt, like I said, I get memories of like 2016 when we used to see NXT back uh, when it was the kind of way it was. And also, imagine if we had a takeover to build up towards. You know, imagine, but hopefully in the future we will. And like I said, if it's near us as well, then let's see what happens with that. But NXT UK is brilliant. I'm glad I'm not alone because I've been, you know, I've been sucking it off for the past, you know, few months or so. And it's good that you're here to actually see it for yourself. Uh, and, of course, you'll be back next month for a huge NXT UK. But that is it for now. Don't forget, because all across all social media, Twitter at the WNR Podcast. I'm at the WNR JR. I'm at WNR Dan. We're also on Facebook and Instagram. Across all the Google platforms, send us an email at WNR Podcast at gmail.com. And YouTube, WNR Podcast. We have all the latest clips and podcasts at the same time on YouTube. as do SoundCloud. On your phone. Also, Spotify and iTunes, where you can download, subscribe, rate, and review there. So, that is it. The next episode of the WNR will be NXT Update, the fully fat version, if you will. And next, uh, will with Dan, will be NXT UK next month. But don't worry, Dan, you've done three in a row now, uh, which I never thought would happen at the start of the year. And we've got big plans for July and August, which we will announce in due time as well. Have you enjoyed yourself? Absolutely. It's been brilliant and it invigorated my love for a show. You know, I've wanted to see what happens next on NXT UK and that is legit. You can definitely tell during my voice throughout some of their matches, especially the Heritage Cup, A-Kid versus Tyler Bate. I was excited to see what was happening with that. There's a bit where he was like, why is it not counting? And then it's because the time ran out. It's like, it did its job for I'm the so match. so absorbed into it, I wasn't. So literally, thank you for listening, everybody. Don't forget to catch out NXT UK as well on the network. Just listen to the podcast and enjoy. But until the next show, I've been James Rollins and I was joined by... Dan White. And thanks for listening, everybody. And bye. bye.